Uh, they can hear me in the room, but we can't hear them. I've turned everybody down on my soundboard. So you guys can talk in there if you want. Nobody can hear you. I control all the power here with my little switchboard. So yeah, Unchained is the untold story of freestyle motocross, basically telling how the sport progressed and the people that pushed the sport. And we are lucky enough to have uh, a handful of basically the key players that made this all happen. So uh, very excited for that. Let me get rid of this little graphic for you guys. And uh, we'll start introing people. All right, here we, here we go. I guess first off we got talking is John Freeman. What's up, John? Hey, what's up, buddy? One of the producers Hello, of this, buddy. one of the producers of this uh, movie. How did um, you know? Obviously, you you're involved because. You filmed everything from basically the inception of the sport, right? So that's how uh, you kind of got involved in the whole project? Well, the whole project kind of comes back from, you know, me and Dana uh, back in the day of snowboarding. And we uh, got involved with a guy named Brian Manley, right, Dee? Yeah. yeah. We went out in the sand dunes and... We both had kind of the background of, of dirt bikes. I grew up on a dirt bike as a kid on a ranch, and Dana was riding dirt bikes and showed me what you know some of the pros were doing. And uh, we just decided to start filming a couple of things. And I was like, "Holy shit, these guys are huge!" I never knew that they, you know, like guys like the guy, uh, Jeremy Albrecht back in the day, Manly. And uh, so I started putting a couple of shots in uh, some of my snowboard videos. People started freaking out uh, and wanted nice to. Uh, that's kind of how it started. Hey, Free Dog. Let's yeah. chime in. Feist. Feist chimed in. What up? We are I Feist Dog. What's up? What's up? <laughs> this is normally how intros go with these things. <laughs> all right, dude, sorry about fucking or messing your thing That's up. That's it's all good. I'll just let me let, let me just run through the names then, and then that way we can uh, just move along and then start the conversation and the movie. So in right, the room, we got John Freeman, who we just talked to, and Dana Nicholson, obviously the creators of Crusty Demons of Dirt. Uh, basically the biggest action sports movie period uh, and that also helped launch freestyle motocross in the room we also have paul tablieb somewhere make some noise so you pop into our screen there. there you go and i'm with my uh, co-producer my wife susie there you hey, go guys. and then we also have some of the people that starred in the movie for being action sports legends basically the one and only Travis Pastrana. What's up, Trav? What's up, guys? Also, we have another person that definitely made a stamp on the sport, Brian Deegan. What's up, Brian? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? Uh, and then also we have, um, well, he signed in also as Brian Deegan, Ronnie Feist. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, get an email from Freedom, so I was. I there you are. Thanks, so I just use that, so it's all good. Oh, cool. Feist <laughs> dog. 
Yeah. <laughs> I see it. We have That's Seth. We have Seth Enslow in the room somewhere. You make yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And as always, as always, we got my partner here, Nick Gore, somewhere. I'm right in here somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> like I snuck in. There he is. Hey, What's where'd that? All right. So, how did uh, let's ask you, Paul? How did the whole project come together to basically go back through the, whatever it was 10, 15 years of freestyle motocross history and put the whole movie together and explain, you know, how it progressed to where it was? It's kind of a funny story. John hit me up out of the blue after seeing a press release about something and said about another movie I had done and said, we should do the history of freestyle motocross. So we went to Red to Monster to get funding and support. And the funniest part of the story is has to do with Travis Pastrana, because we're sitting there with Mark Hall, the guy who created the Monster brand, and we pitched him the story and he goes, yes. And then I said, well, you know, Travis Pastrana is kind of going to be the star of the movie and he's not in Monster. And Mark Hall said, you know, I thought you were smarter. Someone said, yes, get out of the room when you got a yes. And uh, so even though they Monster knew that Travis was going to be wearing Red Bull, Mark Hall at Monster said, we want to support at this sport. We want to support this movie. This sport had so much to do with our brand. And that's why they did it. So it all started with that. And then coordinating with my background in X Games and John and Dana with all the crusty stuff. And then we got to everybody and made a movie. Awesome. And how did you... Uh... Obviously, you guys won an Emmy for this movie. We won a couple of years ago Emmy for the best sports film of the year. Uh, beat everybody in the world of sports. Awesome. It even beat Evil Story. I'll prove it to you. Hold on a second. What is going on there with the banger? There it is. <laughs> it's the actual Emmy. Damn. Awesome. You, you got to move more than everybody else. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, you you, you got to be the me. loudest so that you pop up on the screen. Uh, you want me to oh, you want me to fucking turn my thing down? There we go. No, yeah, but I put you guys on a uh, gallery as well. Dane is the one. Hey, how many of your kids has set your zooms up for you? For you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna uh, get ready here. Share the the movie with you guys. All right, we're gonna start the movie. Ice. What's up, Pedro? I heard you're moving back to Cali. Yeah, my my it's on the radar right now, dude. I talked to you last night. Another, yeah. I can't make another winner out here. <laughs> me and Twitch were rapping last night out at Cheney Ranch and he's like, Yeah, Fi's coming back. I knew it. <laughs> 
Dude, I made it two years, and then I was like, man, I don't know. So. Yeah. Then, then depression sets in, huh? Yeah, it gets lonely out here, dude. Need <laughs> the old band, Vice. Get back. A rush of a lifestyle of being so close to disaster, yet taunting. Dude, the winner's too gnarly to me. I can't it's do the cold, dude. I might get it's hurt. Tough. It's when am you're I going to get hurt? You're already up here to that. Talk to me today. Like house arrest. Stuck inside for too long. It's about self-fulfillment. It's about following something that you do. It's also the rarest of things. Being truly entirely. Like New Jersey. You guys are close to play the riders down on the floor at the X Games or wherever. And you look up yeah. 2,000 people. Why hey, Travis. Who are the gladiators? The guys who would have back in the day had the sword and the shield and been on the front line. And I just think that's <laughs> the mentality of these freestyle riders. Feeling, if only for a moment. Immortal. That time of holy crap, I gotta go through with this is my time of holy crap, I get to go through with this. <laughs> That's a good line. Oh, Steph, where are you going? But it's life, and it's the life uh, that I really enjoy. Oh, There's some great Seth clips in this thing, man. The untold story of freestyle. <laughs> Let me, I'm going to uh, see if I can get rid of that border there. All right, so talk about your intro. What would you say? You got a bunch of good Seth clips? Crashing into stuff? Anybody? Oh, uh, we got the greatest hit Seth in this one. That's for sure. Seth. Yo. Dana's got something to tell you. Dana. You got some things to work out with yourself, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Still working on them. <laughs> Serious issues, you got to work out with yourself. <laughs> That's right. Great line. Competitive motorcycle riding was born in post-World War I Europe. Near and the funny thing, Travis, is that's when Seth's laying there face down and Dana's trying to riddle him. It was christened motocross. <laughs> Instead of taking them to the hospital. <laughs> By the mid sixties, I don't need to go to the hospital right now. <laughs> in that era, the biggest form of motorcycle racing in this nation was dirt track, which was all over the Midwest. You know, 750 cc. Hey, is Eric on this call? Not yet. I just texted him. Said he was gonna be. All excited about it. I don't know. When motorcycle racing was brought into stadiums in the early 1970s, a multi-million dollar industry began. Diggy, you had a race or something? Known as Supercross. Nah, that's one of the sports where they're trying to make it as close to a stick and ball sport as we could. That we were serious. Yeah. Hey, Paul, you should say something about Mitch Payton, how generous he was to help his, uh, you know, film all our interviews and stuff over there. Yeah, that was really nice of it. You know, you can't tell, obviously, but we shot all the interviews. It was on a set we built. You can see the set there behind Carrie. We put a whole, used all the extra parts and built a whole giant set and then lit it. And Mitch Payton was really kind to let us go there. One of the stories, by the way, that didn't make the movie 
had to do with Brian Deegan writing Fuck Mitch, if I'm allowed to say that, <laughs> on his handlebars when he wouldn't give Brian a new motor or something. And then Brian later said, I think I might have screwed that one up. <laughs> Good thing, yeah. We, we we definitely had our 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 moments for sure. But uh, good thing we've mended those fences, and it's all uh, good now, you know? In fact, I remember the other thing that Mitch Payton said when Brian said he was going to go freestyling, this is one of those things that didn't make the movie, was, oh, that freestyle thing will never work. He's got to stay with racing. And he was very, uh, very, you know, humble about how much Brian had accomplished by not staying in racing. So it was very nice in the end of the day, like I said, they've come back together. Yeah. We Brian, do you want to talk a little bit about your, I mean, like this, you were a guy that was getting the results that deserved the the rides, and kept getting like kind of passed up. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing when you went to freestyle. I was like, you know what? Like I'm gonna do what I want to do, and I'm gonna ride, and I'm gonna be this guy because you know I, they just I keep getting passed up for being the person I want to be. I thought that was kind of a cool, uh, cool underlying story there. Yeah, and that's uh, really at a time. That's where I, I was just thinking the same thing about good of timing this all this went down right like when freestyle motocross kicked off it was all about timing and uh the sport was you started it, we started doing tricks on the dirt bikes and there wasn't enough rides for everyone like there is now so you know i was a top five to top ten guy with you know but a ride and i maybe just had i had a bad maybe just had too much of an outgoing uh, personality and then we went into action sports and X Games in '99. off, and it was like a perfect timing. Everything hit at the perfect time, and uh, it was it was hard. It was hard to wake walk away from racing, a whole life of racing, and I didn't want to let my family down, my dad down. But in in the end, my dad's like, "That was the best decision you've ever made." You know, you went, we parlayed it into something ten times of what you could have ever done in racing. So. A lot, a lot, a lot of good timing there for everyone. I think, and I think you took the biggest chance of everyone, though. You had a factory ride, and you like pretty much walked away from racing to, to do freestyle, and uh, a lot, a lot more given up than I did for sure. <laughs> you have any regrets, Travis, about not racing? Heck no, no. I've, I've had the dude. I'm still making a living on kids' toys, man. Having fun traveling the world. It's been uh, it's been pretty cool. My my dad always said he goes. Well, my uncle was quarterback for Denver Broncos for, for two years, 69, 70. And, um, you know, he still works at Arnold Community College still to this day and, and construction with my dad. He goes, look, he's probably the best athlete that's ever come out of, of our town of Annapolis, maybe the state of Maryland. And uh, he didn't make a living doing what he loves. So any day that you can make a living doing what you love to do, chase chase that dream until the wheels fall off and uh, still kind of doing that. But at the same time, you know, for me, like I wanted to push myself. I wanted to have fun on a dirt bike and racing. It's not that racing wasn't awesome. I just, I was tired of being hurt. And that sounds kind of dumb for most people that listen to it. They're like, well, if you're tired of being hurt. Why did you do freestyle? I'm like, well, it's different racing. You're hurt. You're sick the whole time. Um, with freestyle, you get to go actually enjoy it. You get to hang out with your friends. Like, I mean, the, you know, obviously the metal bush and Deegan and those guys weren't the guys that I was necessarily hanging out with. <laughs> But, yeah, you were. Um, you came out and hung out with me and the and the Black Flies guys. You're like, take me to Black Flies. I need such a <laughs> Yeah, remember that, dog? Dude, I got <laughs> in at like probably I was like <laughs> noon or one o'clock in the afternoon, like you know, three or four o'clock my time. 
you took me to the owner of Black Flies, and uh, I don't know, someone answered his, his door still in their, their pajamas, female. I was like, I was, is it, uh, yeah, that's probably where I want to go. <laughs> female. I think you yeah, were like 12, right? Weren't you about 12? Hey, Travis. <laughs> yeah. Who's that Suzuki guy that was all mad at me when you went got sent home from California? You're a factory racer guy. Was that Roger Costa or one of them guys? Nah, Somebody was, was all mad, huh? There, there was a cut. I, you know, the, the story that never got told was that my dad, actually, this is probably the start of, of him, him getting the divorce, was he told my mom that I was out there doing testing with FMF and I was going to be out there for a week. I ended up in uh, Grabump just outside of Las Vegas with you guys. Hey, yeah. <laughs> no, so know anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's too much. Uh, Mickey too Diamond much. took me under his wing. M- Mickey, okay. uh, you guys hey. all did, but oh, God, I got I, one I more. Like, I got. I got one question. I got one question for you and Deegs. If you guys came out to the desert and like met up with me, like I'm in the desert right now, are we riding dirt bikes or the UTVs? Because I'm in the UTV, dog. I, I didn't bring my dirt bike. I'm in the UTV. I'll admit it. That was the first truck that I got in that was street legal that you, you took us off some whole bunch of jumps. I was like, this is awesome. The free runner. That was the coolest thing ever. Uh, but no, like the Can-Ams now are so much fun. The family all loves them. Um, definitely running those, uh, you know, for, for all of us. But I don't know. I, I still like dirt bikes. Just a little beat up. No, I know. But it's just fun, isn't it? Fun. Like it's like dirt biking with the wife and the kids, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll we'll talk about dirt bikes again. <laughs> All right. When you didn't win, you would get an email from Japan and would say, "Please explain Jeff Emig condition. Like, why is <laughs> Jeff Emig?" Condition. factory racing. It's all about getting results. Nobody cares about anything else. <laughs> As the corporate-controlled world of Supercross groomed and shaped its image, they couldn't control everything, and weekend free-riding was quickly but quietly becoming popular with the tightly controlled official factory riders. It was like soul riding. Mm -hmm. The camaraderie that you get out of all that, I mean, just being able to hang and do what we love. As a motocross rider, that's the way that you can set yourself free. You didn't really want to tell your team manager or your sponsors that you were going out in the hills and riding, so we just called it play riding. But when snowboard filmmakers John Freeman and Dana Nicholson discovered this secret free riding subculture, they began filming in the deserts of Southern California. My broken cameras. <laughs> What's so going with your camera, dog? <laughs> I had to beat on him. Out in the dunes, out in the hills, just showing how fun that is. Free riding. The snowboard films and the snowboard style, the snowboard freedom of expression is where this came from. Creatures of habit. In 1995, John and Dana released Crusty yeah. Demons of Dirt, featuring national supercross champions Jeremy McGrath and Jeff Emig. McGrath was a badass. So was Emig. Supercross establishment. 
the national distribution of the VHS tape would set off a firestorm of controversy. It just spread like wildfire. It was insane. It went from me thinking it was oh, the God. biggest bomb in history to I could not keep the fulfillment of the... No comment. <laughs> I'm divorced. Video. It was coveted. It was passed around. It was copied as much as it possible. And you just play it over. I mean, we we would literally wear tapes out. Released independently on VHS, Krusty Demons managed to sell over 100,000 copies worldwide in less than a year. Krusty Demons are Roland's VO. Isn't he amazing? Yeah, he made it. Definitely. First did that, Paul. We had uh, just kind of a voice in there, and it changed the whole movie when when you got Brolin in. That, that was Susie, my wife. She's what took him three months of calling till he finally said he would do it. <laughs> There's Damian Sanders. <laughs> yeah, one of the best clips in the whole movie. <laughs> access to like a pro motocrosser it's a guy behind the ropes and he's gonna sign a signature or something like that and then he disappears we were coming in with cameras and showing behind the scenes life of these race guys that love where was that d that's palm avenue in a, in a very loose fashion we were just kind of punk rock about the whole thing <laughs> um yeah wouldn't be a man if i didn't go for both house right there with this this was like, whoa, check out this dude smoking a joint or getting over here and this guy's partying and running chicks over here. And Rusty Ross. We're like, oh my God, don't show that. We're not supposed to let people know we really have fun. It was like Christmas, you know? Every morning, I just wanted to wake up and watch it. Egan, I think you you sent us some clips. That's how we even got to know you uh, in the very beginning with that purple hair. Out ninety five probably. Uh, that's yeah, I think we released this thing in either ninety four or ninety five, something like that. Maybe ninety four. I think there was a lot of concern from the, the way to do it. Don't see everybody in the windows, bro. Editor was a guy named Carl Kramer. He deserves a lot of credit for putting all this crazy footage together and getting the music and really. He really deserves a lot of credit for this movie. Old Sweet, hear his name. The editor. Paul Kramer did a great job. Yeah. Paul, we went through about, what, three editors before we could even get this thing finished uh, up. Didn't come together. Larry. <laughs> the hair, dude. <laughs> That's the thing that made it possible. Yep. He definitely helped uh, put this whole thing together. Wait, Lake Goggle? No, no, no. Our goal. Monsters. Okay, yeah. He believed in the project. So there's Castillo. Seth, where are you going? <laughs> Young buck, dude. Traditional <laughs> racing and a new breed of rebellious free-spirited motorcycle riders watching pizza hazard and uh the fall guy on tv i thought that it'd be sweet to move to california and be a stuntman then i started riding motorcycles and racing motocross 
There you go. This kid from Pennsylvania drives out to California to live the California dream. So he starts filming with us and there's Russ. <laughs> Dude, is Rusty still alive? Yeah. He's out of jail and he's back. No, he, I, he, he follows me on Instagram. He's out surfing and stuff. Russ is chilling. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's so what about Pine Man, that uh, photographer? Yeah, Pine Man's chilling. Pine's around. Yeah. Yeah, he's hanging. That song was uh, our friend Sean Farmer, who was uh, the gnarliest guy in snowboarding back then. Music, what was it called? Stoked. Perfect song. Courage, they call it. Want to go that much bigger? Pedro, where are you going? <laughs> Look, takes everybody out, and he's standing. <laughs> he's like, I, Seth was just unkillable. Like, he like literally just kept doing stuff. People were so happy, even though the bikes got worked that day. They're like, is this crusty filming? What is this? <laughs> I just like Emic's comment on that whole thing. Like he was the only one that looked a little disappointed for whatever reason. I don't know, but it was, it was pretty funny. Thing I've ever seen. He was yeah, gen he was genuinely mad. Oh, you know who was mad? Was Ryan. He wanted to fight Seth. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready to go box. Lawrence. Uh, no, well, Lawrence was too, because it was his bike that he was on. Well, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. yeah. But no, Ryan, he didn't want to beat everybody up. He thought Seth did it on purpose. <laughs> hey, we got a question. The girl beside me said, When did freestyle first start? When did freestyle first start? When we saw Travis doing some weird ass stuff. That was the 90s, Shelby. That was back in the 90s. 90s? I think 90s. it started right here. Guy named Seth Enflow. No, that means yeah. Yeah. Right in the 90s. Yep, yeah, good job. Early 90s. It started right there. Now, that, that jump seriously started freestyle right there. That, <laughs> Seth, he started everything, man. I blame you. <laughs> I like how you hang on, Seth, bro. Yeah. Use yeah, the suspension. Right there. Dude, if you didn't jump off, you'd have died for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> you never yeah. jump off when you go long. <laughs> First of all. I think I've only seen you come up short once. <laughs> that was during the McGrath filming when you broke your wrist. Oh. I remember the kink at the wrist. Yeah. Oh, no. oh. Yeah, you look like grandma. Sure. 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 Sure
Freestyle motocross may have been born, but in the late 90s, it was still sequestered to the Krusty Demon sequels John and Dana produced. Its full potential as a sport and lifestyle had yet to be realized. That's some gizmo footage. That place. How old are you there, Travis? Uh, 10 or 11. Didn't you tell a story, Travis? You used to start races backwards or something like that and have to catch up or something like that? Uh, my, my dad, he'd have me, usually if it was a double gate, he'd have me start with the first gate and the second gate. I got disqualified from about every race that I ever did, but he was just trying to get me to get, get quicker for a... Uh, one day I was gonna be my bikes were, were always broken and clean cut. <laughs> it, was, it was fun though. I mean, that you know, that's what helps you get there, I guess. Hey, remember, uh, Dana, when you broke your heel? I think Seth was there. You guys were trying to learn a backflip. My dad comes down, he still had his, uh, his clip phone in his pocket, he had his uh, shirt unbuttoned, his tie on, and uh, backflip. I think it was Dana's bike there, and uh, you guys weren't, weren't doing the flips. <laughs> Dad. Yeah, remember I did the two fifty because you guys were trying to get the mini bike, <laughs> and you went way too big, Dean. Well, yeah, you guys are gonna try to learn backflips on a mini bike. Sissies, <laughs> <laughs> and then Travis knocked me off. The <laughs> there you are. Hey, Travis got me back. <laughs> Uh, you, did, you did go from California with a broken arm, huh? Hey, Travis, your dad swam down to the bottom of that pond and got that mini bike out from when Bub went off the diving board. <laughs> did, you know, uh, a lot yeah. of people don't know Bubba can ride. He's a good dirt bike rider. That's my dad was like, I think it was Race Tech suspension or something. My dad's like, yeah, oh, like, he's an A rider. <laughs> Bobski, <laughs> Bob can come off the line pretty hot. He's got a lot of traction. <clears throat> Maximum traction. Remember when we all bungee jumped in New Zealand and he was tripping? He was so scared to step off the edge. Well, Feist, we always threw Bub off everything we could. He just happened to be there, this little clean-cut kid who had all the talent in the world. You know, Travis, that's the first time we met Carrie as well <laughs> as you. Dude, that was a cool little practice track. I was I was so stoked you guys showed up. All the... Um, because all the factory teams were there. That's the only reason I was even there was we yeah. got an inside scoop that like Suzuki factory team was going to be testing. Nice. Um, yeah, it was wild. I think that's when we tricked you into coming to California. Travis. Yeah, dude. My, I was all in. My dad like, yeah, was was all in. My mom was not stoked on that whole trip. Oh, your mom was not like us. <laughs> Over my dead body, I think she said. I don't know. I survived. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. I mean, this literally started my – this changed my whole direction of career, without a doubt. Good, bad, and different. I'm not sure still, but it was, I think it was good. Good <laughs> story. <laughs> <laughs> 
I will kill you. And Dana says, fair enough. By the time John and Dana began shooting Krusty oh. Demons 3 in California, and on and put some like water in there so it flushes. Don't skid it all up. <laughs> That's rule number one of an RV. Can't go in the, in the house. <laughs> Can't go in the house. You're already stinking it up. Put the fan on. Put the fan on. Brian, you're we live, man. Farted. You're live. <laughs> there, there's your story, Travis. When you got picked up by Dana, I think, at the airport. That's it. Dude, Krusty 3 premiere was the mo- I mean, dude, you guys started a riot. There was white, uh, the, the L.A. riot, um, like, SWAT team. Came in yeah. party for Krusty Three. My mom was like, "Oh my gosh, what are we? What are we getting into?" You guys, I still still have that zoot suit. That was pretty sick. Mickey D. Uh, okay, there's Mickey. Mick, sweet dude. Yeah, I just talked to him the other day. He's kind of coming out of the head trauma. Yeah, yeah, I, I talked to him like a week ago. He's super cool. He's very happy to be home. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Mick's so cool. He's had a lot of hits. He, he took me under his wing so much, but everyone always forgets he had two outdoor national AMA championships. Yeah. Um, in, in the lights. Like, that's the guy, guy has some skill, man. He's the nicest guy, too. He was afraid he was going to get stuck there. He said a lot of guys are in that facility. They don't come out. So he was pretty happy to be back home. There it is, dude. The ghost ride. <laughs> what were you thinking there, Dave? Just go for it? Yeah. I didn't really know what to do, to be honest. <laughs> I definitely didn't plan on winning that race till the last lap. So that was all came pretty quick. Well, you made it a pretty cool memory. Yeah, I know. Like, honestly, that was before there was a backflip or any of that either. I don't know. I don't really know. Dude, so I was there watching. That was one of Carmichael's first races. Uh, you had Villeman, you had Robbie Raynard, Kevin Windham. Dude, the the all star cast in that free, like the guys that you beat at that race were like the best of the best all time. It was pretty sick. Was it at East West? I was. No, it was West. Uh, Ricky was running it. It was the first year that he started, but he he ran West Coast um, before he ran uh, East that year for, i don't know how that worked that year yeah it was, i remember it was stacked yeah there was a ton of guys in it you gotta post that sometime just like the the results from that event i'd like to see that again because I, I just remember everybody was in it yeah post the race the race would be pretty sweet <laughs> i probably have that on vhs kick everybody's ass yeah and talk trap <laughs> <laughs> Sponsor right there. 
<laughs> yeah. Jordan. From the beginning, he was a perfect fit for the crusty <laughs> Young bug, dude. Look at him. <laughs> There you go. There, bro, daddy. Before then, and begged my dad for dirt bike and uh, went out there and started racing motocross. How old were you when you got the little cowie? That was Jeff Demig. I was I was probably about ten. There you go. <laughs> Didn't you just got that helmet back one day, Brian? That bull helmet? Yeah, I have a helmet. Yeah, but I don't know if it's that one. It was a. Hey, you got all the credit on the diving board. But Freeman, Dana, you guys brought me out there. You're like, you got to do this. McGrath wouldn't do it. I was like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. If, if Jeremy came out and didn't jump it, I'm jumping. And then I broke my wrist. And then Brian does it, and every all the camera guys were out for that. He got the, the photo that was like, we told, we told you not to do it. No, you got the shot. We hey, said you're, no. the first, you're the first one. Yeah. That's not there for Ryan. Ryan got the calendar. That was a sick photo. Yeah. Was that? Were you there the day when when you broke your wrist? Were you there? Yeah. Yeah. The, the day that you jumped, it was the same day. Yeah, that was the same day. Both you guys were there. Mickey was up there, like, doubling it. He goes, no, don't do it. So hey, you guys always told me don't do it just so my mom didn't kill you if something happened. But I know <laughs> you, guys, you, you were still filming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you knew. He was... Dana, he's going. Get the camera going. <laughs> he's not stopping. And there it is. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm so glad you guys put that in this movie, though. <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna hit that thing now. I didn't want to hit it, but now I got it. Guy, dude, they let this dude shut me down. <laughs> Boom. Perfect. There's like no landing either. Uh, what, dude, so many people had tried that jump before without jumping it. There's a whoop section down the. Like, <laughs> and it was always just one up in each other. Everyone deep downside wanted to have the best part. We're always trying to one up each other. We were young guys in our 20s. That's what we do. We want to be cool. We want to be cooler than the next guy. We want to be better than the next guy. And it probably had a lot to do with how we excelled at Supercross. You were pressing the limits. You were getting out of your comfort zone. Along the way, we were improving our skills on the motorcycle. This one-upsmanship among the riders would become the hallmark of freestyle motocross. But adding a competition element to this already risky endeavor would immediately foreshadow the direction and dangers of the sport. We're getting beautiful footage <laughs> off this thing called this diving board. Talent. So gets all excited, does a big and Travis, you got a little excited. Yeah. Now this is the first time I broke my navicular right there. Yeah. Keepoid, that uh, that little tiny bone that doesn't heal in your wrist. What do you want us to do? Like, we almost got you back to your parents, and your mom's already gonna kill us. That's cool. I don't need to go to the hospital. <laughs> now the one thing that Dad said to Dana 
please send him home in one piece. I was like, no, no, just take me down to Savon and we get some duct tape and get a splint. And, uh, you know, I'll be good because I, I got a good wrist doctor back at home. And later that afternoon, took me to the airport, sent me home. My mom never flew out to uh, castrate either one of them. And uh, they've been friends ever since. <laughs> I think we did take you to Savon. We've met a cool little kid. We're well on our way now, you know, with our third film. In 1997, John and Dana would unveil Krusty Demons 3 to a raucous capacity crowd at the Palladium in Hollywood. As There's your party, Travis. There it is. <laughs> I had a one of the girl there grabbed me in her chest. And I, I was like, can you do that again? I handed my little uh, uh, camera. Um, wind up camera to, to Pine Man to, to get the shot. My mom, when she developed that footage, she's like, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you guys changed my life. <laughs> Thank you. Straight out of Maryland, right into our, <laughs> our deal. <laughs> there you go. I like this one where you go up the hill. The family and the authenticity of just hard work and. That's one. Dad shows you up the hill. Yeah, good luck. Oh, you're not, I mean, there's no chance. There was no chance I was getting up there any better than that. <laughs> uh, we like making that segment, Travis. That was cool. We end that movie. We had all that little, you know, your young footage and stuff. Dude, I couldn't believe when that came out. Like, I mean, that was that was rad. That was the first time, like, all my friends, like, we had been watching the Krusties. I mean, like, I've been in Terra Firma, the Terra Firma series, but there was nothing when Krusty One came out. Dude, we watched that. I still have the VHS. We, uh, we watched that over and over and over again. It was it changed. It changed everything. And look at this. This is that that one heck of an after party where you got LA SWAT. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> and we got it on all our cameras. <laughs> yeah, and it was on the news, huh? <laughs> it was on the news. It was called the Krusty Riot in LA. Krusty Riot. Remember, no one wanted to leave either. It was either. a palladium. It was like 4,000 people or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Turn into a riot. How did that happen? <laughs> oh, the band. It was the band. They didn't want to stop uh, playing. <laughs> the the bouncers went up there and started pushing the, the guy around, and uh, they pushed the bouncer off the, the stage. So <laughs> that guy just started punching everybody so that nobody was going to take that, so everybody punched back. And then they, <laughs> I guess they put in a call to the riot team and <laughs> that's how that all happened what so. band was it what 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 band uh dana are you there i can't remember burning groove wasn't it burning groove i think you're right it was burning groove and it was uh the the lead singer he didn't want to stop singing so they pushed the bouncer off that big guy yeah. 
Yeah, well, they, 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 they called the LAPD and said there's a bike ride going on. That's what we're thinking here. It came in hot. That Yeah. Yeah. that was gonna help you. The wind. Uh, I was thinking right here. I'm going way too fast, but I'm way too hungover to come up short. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Look, you're going over Sinkmar's house. <laughs> and the telephone pole. <laughs> Landing was a little small. We needed more dirt, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little extra. It's always good for the little landing. <laughs> yeah, double that dirt would have been sufficient. <laughs> yeah. The takeoff was like 15 feet high, and the landing oh. was like maybe 11 or 12 feet high. <laughs> That's your dad right there. He was there. His face and in his skull, and the only way to get those was to literally make an incision around his head, peel his face off, and make the repairs to his skull and to the fractured bones. You got the that was the moment you became superhuman, Seth. You, you went from like a, a real person to a cartoon character. I mean, I'm sure it didn't feel like a cartoon character, but geez. How's your head now? Oh, good. good. Titanium. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and they told you don't jump. What are you doing? Four weeks later, I can jump to 175 feet at the Houston Astrodome at the Monster Truck Show there. So I wasn't going to give up. Yeah, I wasn't done chasing that dream. Was that a monster jam they had that at? Uh, it was just the Monster Truck series. I don't know what it was called, oh. but uh, yeah, they just have to jump. Kind of like seven different shows. There it is, the LXD. There's the early days. Oh, you had a good little mustache there in that first picture. <laughs> he was looking sweet, dude. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I got a hopeful beard now. Oh, how much flack? How much flack did you get, Paul, when you were trying to run these things? Well, these these gentlemen were always so well behaved and listened to everything we said. Delight working with them. <laughs> but Brian, we never had any problems. It's all smooth. If you promise after we air it one time, you never call me again. That's the deal. It's like, okay, great, fantastic. We didn't really have a good idea about what we were going to build out there. Paul, you had a lot of trouble with uh, just the getting that thing televised. Is that right? Originally, ESPN said they wouldn't do it. They, oh, they called the AMA, and the AMA tried to shut the whole thing down. Yeah. We were able to get one little airing, and that led to everything that came after that. The ratings were so high, they said, bring this to X Games. Wow. So we were we very lucky that it happened. Was it last minute that it went to X Games? It wasn't even supposed to be? It wasn't supposed to be at X Games, but the ratings for this one show, this little half-hour show we did, blew yeah. them away, and they just added it to X Games. It went up to the pier, and... Put it up there. Right. We had no idea what we were doing. 
So Brian, how'd you come up with the the whole Mad Max thing going to X Games? I did. Like I thought that was, uh, you know, I realized all of a sudden we were going to get crazy amount of TV time, and because I remember watching like Tony Hawk and and all those dudes from X Games, and I was like, man, these dudes are pretty big names, household names because of X Games. And I just figured, okay, we got our shot. And uh, the good guy, uh, the good guy role was already taken. So <laughs> we were like, uh, we'll, we'll play the bad guys, and uh, it, it was uh, worked out perfect. And really, yeah. X, X Games had a lot, of, a lot of cool personalities, but I don't think they had the the militia vibe in X Games yet. So I think we just yeah. found our niche and and um you know lived it up and, and we thought okay we were way into slayer and like war and heavy metal so we just thought that would be like the best way to stand out and yeah. uh run bikes and all black and thought that was super professional so <laughs> thought that would be the way to uh you know win everyone over and then the clean cut kid was your what nemesis yeah, the clean cut kid was the totally opposite. So it worked out pretty good. And all in all, he was the one that actually got arrested. So was, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was illegal to jump a bike into the bay. You need a tetanus shot just to go in there. <laughs> yeah. Rourke. Sink. No, but. I mean, you had uh, the Jonesy. Flying Hawaiian, Mad Mike Jones, the Kenny the Cowboy Bartram, Kung Fu <laughs> Feist. I do. Nobody was like had just, was just a. Everybody was a personality. Nobody was just a regular person. That was it was pretty wild. But like, it's something that I just was this dorky homeschooled kid just loved riding my dirt bike and um, to have Brian and the whole militia come in, like it couldn't have been better for the media, the hype, and, and actually allowing, like, freestyle exploded, I think, a lot because of you had, you either liked, you know, Brian or you liked me, and you probably yeah. hated the other person. So it worked out fantastic. <laughs> Good job, Brian. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think about it. It was like there was different teams, and, and uh, you know, like I said, the, the, the classic battle of good versus evil that everyone understands, and I think that, you know, X Games played into it pretty good, and you know, with like Paul and everyone understood the story, and it was just telling a good, a good story. You know, it worked yeah. out great when we went to make the movie because we had these, we had these. You know, one of the problems of making this documentary was there's not a lot of interaction between the actual people, and that makes it hard to create drama. But we had this structure of Brian and Travis allowed us to build the entire structure of the movie, getting us right to the end. Yeah, that's good. I think it was a perfect, uh, you know, combination there just because not only was Travis like the good guy, he was super young. So that was ultra impressive itself. Um, And then I don't think I mean, I think everybody liked both sides for myself. I like the back and forth, even nowadays with, uh, you know, Colby and um, Axel, like. I like the back and forth and I think it adds an extra dimension to it. And that's what you guys did early on. And it was for the most part who you guys were personality wise. I'll tell you this. I was in a lot of meetings with the ESPN people and you guys freak them out. Totally. The guys from <laughs> Bristol, Connecticut running the network 
they didn't know what to make of this craziness. They were just nervous beyond belief. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet because they're like putting us on live TV and it's like it's a massive liability for sure. Especially, I mean, think about it like, like you know, like San Larry was the king of it, right? And then, uh, and then all of us like you never knew what we were gonna say or do. So uh, yeah, massive liability. And then the clean cut kid just jumps into the bay, throws his bike in there. And- He's the one getting arrested, like yeah. Brian's. He can't and, even be trusted. No, like walking around with spikes on and stuff, and they're worried about Travis. Yeah. ESPN was told if they ever aired that footage, people in San Francisco, the city of San Francisco was so mad, they said to ESPN, you can't ever air the footage. And they said, if you do, we'll pull all coverage from baseball, football, you'll never come back to San Francisco to shoot any footage. They were so mad. I mean, they were, you were in the meeting, Travis, obviously, in that little room there. They were really <laughs> lost their shit about it. And when we made this documentary and we needed the footage from ESPN, finally the question came up, are you going to show Travis going in the bay? And we said, well, we have to. And they were all kind of nervous. Was San Francisco going to freak out? And turned out nothing ever happened. But they still remembered it, whatever it was. So many years later, they were nervous about giving us the footage because they thought they might get kicked out of San Francisco. Wow. It was so fun. Like I was actually about to tear up in that meeting. Like I was just being reamed. I was like, what the heck is going on? And I just remember my dad just laughing. He was just <laughs> laughing his ass off. And then they took like the $10,000. Dad's like, well, shit, that, we, we don't have enough money to get home. <laughs> checked, before we went out there, he checked what last place got. He's like, all right, if you get last, even if whatever, as long as the medical bills aren't too bad, we can still pay for gas to get back. <laughs> he was all the way across country. He's taking off work to do that. And then, uh, uh, but he was just laughing. He's like, "You can't be serious. Like, come on, you need a technic shot to get in that water. Like, this is this is a joke." But they were they were beyond serious for sure. They literally evoked the racket, the Rico Racketeering Act, and they said, "If two people in this room lie about whether you knew in advance, we're going to put you in federal prison." And Travis and I had had a little meeting underneath the bleachers. I knew what was going on, obviously. And we were both denying it, but thinking if someone else here tells the truth, we're going to really be (laughs) in trouble. It was hilarious. How did you get the bike out? Um, We had actually had to hire someone. I mean, dude, it was like uh, it was something like 50 or 60 feet deep right there. It was like really deep Uh right off the edge. Uh, yeah, I had a scuba guy go down, but uh, Fox actually came in and uh, clothing because Pete Fox was was out there. Um, he was on the boat. He was on the boat. The wakeboard boat for X Games was out there with yeah, uh, yeah Todd Hicks and all those guys. We had um, Trent Cameraman. His last name is actually Cameraman. He was a camera guy. He's first, you know, he's newbie to X Games. He's like, I thought I was gonna get a promotion. I can't ESPN. I'm like, I got the footage. I got the footage. He's like, how did you get it? Did you know? He's like, no. and and paul put me in the uh what judges tower i was one of the judges and uh so it was a perfect vantage point for me to film that i got the perfect uh shot that you see in the in the movie there from the judges tower and i gave you on your score a 20. One, one of the other funny stories was they asked the guy from Fox, not Pete Fox, I think, can't think of the other guy's name. They asked him, did you know Travis was going to jump in the bay? 
And he goes, no. And he goes, what were you doing in a boat with a grappling hook if you didn't know he was going to jump in the bay? He goes, we wanted to beat the traffic, and I thought maybe I'd go fishing. And he did not like that story. Other independent contests began springing up across the country. But with prize money and sponsorships on the line, tricks were getting bigger yeah. and more technical. There you are. And so were the there it is. And the Ooh, oh. look at that. Manu, Manu true. true. Frenchman. Oh, that was a French, was a French, French guy. Yeah, I remember that. Back at the diving board between Travis Pastrana and Brian Deegan. We used to call him my new hole. Didn't Cameron Steele's brother, Grant Steele, do that also? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did a bad one. Yeah. 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 There's Highland. There you are. Spike. <laughs> Just to answer some of those questions coming through from the panelists or whatnot. Yeah, no, I, I totally thought I could do a backflip and completely chickened out on it. So, yes, that was that was the bail, 100%. I thought you were just bonering it. <laughs> no, nah, I, I wasn't that cool. <laughs> Boom, dude. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> These are sweet to watch, too. I know. And my kids clown me so hard when they watch this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I can do that. I know. We can't afford to get to the races. We have every one of my family members kicking We actually just watched just like this 99X games and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. It is so, it is really embarrassing, though. Like, there's a trick list. <laughs> Dude, that's what inspired the rest of us to be able to do it. Like, imagine being a kid now. You're just like, uh, oh, double backflips, you know, backflip KODs. It'd be more daunting. But back yeah, then. So I got the guy, the guy that invented the rodeo on the trampoline bike sit, sitting right here, Chris Haynes. <laughs> What's up, Haynes? I know Chris. What's up, Clint? How are you, man? Good. How are you? Oh, living the dream, brother. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm living it. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, so this is my crazy little kid, Clint. Awesome, dude. She watched. She watched Unchained like literally 500 times. She's like, I have to be there on the panel. I was like, All right, come on up. <laughs> What's your favorite part of the movie? What's your favorite part of the movie? When, um, when, uh, when you when like when the. Uh, when someone like when but when Travis actually jumps, when Travis, so I think this is in his life. I think this is in it when he jumps off the thing to go onto this down onto the dirt. I like that. All right, I swear to you, she does watch this a lot. She loves Trusty Three is her favorite. I know that didn't that didn't say it very well, but yes. <laughs> Something a little out of the ordinary. Good job. He's job. the start house, and it's like, oh, yeah, have a good time. Slap him, and he's soft. And he's put on about 20, 30 pounds, and it was the sudden realization of, like, oh, my God. 
He's got something underneath his jersey. So I start sprinting down the course. Travis takes off, and I'm literally running as Travis comes past me and just disappears in the air. Oh, yeah, that was a backflip attempt, huh? I seen the lean back there. It was a piss-poor backflip attempt. I don't know. I'd done it on Woodward into the foam pit, but, yeah, it was yeah. not quite the same. I never I never knew that So right now. I always just thought you just aired it off Bonard out, but I could see it off that verb now. There's the world's worst attempt. Yeah, you went into that really fast to try and pull then at the last second. Cool as some people may have think it looked, I you know I I don't think it was very cool. How would you like? You have to say this at this point. Oil where you live. I got my ass chewed. My dad got his ass chewed. Everyone that was in the room got their ass chewed. What kind of hooligan would pollute the San Francisco Bay, which I need a tetanus shot because it's so polluted already, with two ounces of gasoline? And everyone got all crazy about it, but I'm like, that was pretty punk rock. Like, you know, the kid risked going to jail right there, so I give him credit. Later on, when they went down and found the bike, it landed on top of a car. <laughs> Despite the They're worried about the bike. There's <laughs> Pete. was freestyle motocross still had no respect. It's a legitimate sport. This included the now, but I mean, that's something that's pretty interesting. Like, it's still to this day, like, there is a a rift between freestyle and motocross like Emig and McGrath steel roots crusty like that kind of made it almost legit and then a second people started doing flips and x games became a sport dude it, it just went the the moto industry just really looked down on this and that was you know Deegan having the opportunity to to go out there and just be who he was and I think they were just pissed off that he found a way to make a, a living and be do what he was doing but just loving riding dirt bikes it was the weirdest thing for me yeah, why yeah. do you think that the motocross industry like still doesn't want to you know it, it's a more professional sport now than it was as far as people having to train harder and you know keep it a little bit straighter why ha hasn't the rest of the moto industry backed it do you think uh well definitely at the beginning um everyone thought people were going to start getting hurt and there was going to be a lot more injuries and um you know definitely with, with brian and those guys like they were like these guys aren't taking this seriously they're not training hard they're 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 you know being hooligans basically um but you know since then you got i mean olympics have skateboarding and bmx and everything brian what, what's your take on that yeah i agree i think supercross and motocross has always been about all the uh, teams and factories always having control of the athletes and and kind of being able to direct, like they run the show. And I think in freestyle motocross, they didn't have that control. There's not, you couldn't control these guys. And, and each guy was their own person. And I just don't think they, I think that it was intimidating to that industry. I think that's just what I felt about it. There was really not a lot of control of, of freestyle motocross. And, and I think it's still like that today, but you just don't – I mean, they definitely have, have brought those two together a lot more than it was when we did it. It's – uh, you know, back in the day, it was like you pretty much quit racing to go be a freestyler. And, and um, that's that's not what it is today. People just are freestyle riders. You know, there isn't like guys who are quitting, you know, racing too much to go ride freestyle. 
So, you know, I don't know. I feel like they've kind of mended together. And I feel like freestylers are now wanting to be factory riders. They want the good bike, the good gear. They want to look cool, like all clean. Um, you know, and I, it's just kind of that, that bridge that gap, I think now, but, um, I think it was just way too rebel for moto industry to accept it. Is anybody a factory FMX guy right now? I don't think nobody is. Right. Yeah. They get bikes, ATM and, and, uh, the, the, you know, the factories get bikes to freestyle guys. Like we, I couldn't get a bike to save my life. Like I yeah. barely could the shop to sell me a bike. Yeah. Like and back. I know I've talked to Travis way back in the day and he was like, I bought every X games bike that I rode. Right. Yeah. Suzuki wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't let me ride any bike at X games or any freestyle contest that they owned. Um, so like all the factory bikes had the serial numbers or whatever they're, they're like, no, you can't ride it. So I, that's why I always ran Cernic Suzuki and stuff. Cause Jeff Cernic, I just got dealer cost on my X games bikes. And I was, I mean, it was kind of interesting. Uh, so they yeah. never really supported it, you know? Hmm. I spoke to Ray Blank back in the day, uh, who was the head of Honda in those era. And his big concern was two things. One, that the Japanese like to think of their bikes as the reason someone wins. In other words, the performance of the bike is integral to the success of the rider. And in freestyle, that's really not the case, right? It's not about the bike, it's the rider, which makes the Japanese nervous. The other thing was liability. They all, mm -hmm. you know, motorcycles are not really ingrained in American culture. It's a very niche part of the culture. And they were saying, we don't want, if, if we get behind it and someone gets hurt, they were, it, Lily Ray told me the story about the old three-wheeler ATVs, remember those? Which were killing people like crazy. And they got banned, just didn't want it to take off. Yeah, we, I rode for a team that had a, it was arena cross team also, and they had a Suzuki deal. And that's what they had told us was that like, I got my bikes through the local dealership, not actually through Suzuki. Like, you know, even though they showed up in a crate, but they were just like us giving people bikes to do freestyle, basically okays. Like we're okaying it for freestyle. And they're like, we don't really want to push people to do that for same thing liability reasons in fact we get to the story of winter x games which i'm sure brian remembers clearly ray blank called espn the head of honda when they heard we were going to do the winter um uh the winter x games and offered to pay for it to not happen he said whatever costs you have to not do this we will pay we do not think motorcycles should be in the snow and they tried to kill it wow uh, <laughs> That's so silly. You would think more any exposure is good. Well, as Brian yeah. doesn't know he's unhappy in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always felt like it was kind of a slap in the face when they said that motorcycle sales went up like twenty two percent when freestyle motocross kicked off. And I mean that's a good amount of dirt bikes we helped sell. And so they're uh that them not you know, helping us out after that was, I don't know, I was, it made it even kind of more of a, a of a black guy. I feel like I was slapping our face, you know? I think what we saw also is Supercross was kind of hurting on, uh, you know, getting crowds and stuff like that. And when we started doing crusty and have you guys, you know, as our athletes and people started liking all that, all of a sudden Supercross went big, like you're saying. You know, yeah. it got bigger and bike sales went through the roof. So. Well, the, the, the culture, you guys showed how much fun dirt bikes could be. And, and obviously mm -hmm. there's, there's extracurricular as well. But like 
just the, the culture. I mean, Red Bull, you think, is a brand made. They, I mean, obviously, it's selling energy drink and all energy drinks, but they, they basically built up the lifestyle behind it. And that's what Crusty Demons of Dirt did. Yeah, Terra Firma was awesome. And for a racer, like, to be a part of that was was so cool. Um, but when Krusty One came out, it, it completely, it turned the moto industry upside down to show, you know, just what you could do on a dirt bike. And then to show the top riders out there at Glamis and everything was was pretty wild. I think what you, what you're saying is true and what built it as far as the feeling that Krusty gave you versus anything else. It made you excited to ride, to hang out with your friends, you know, to just go and have fun. Yeah. Well, think of think of how many people like back in that the '90s era. Like, if you didn't, if you owned a dirt bike, it's because you raced or you something to do with it. And then all of a sudden, there was that huge decade of from what Krusty's just made dirt bikes look so fun people just went out and got a dirt bike and didn't go race them they just got them to just go ride them and and that was weird to me like i was like dude crazy all these dudes are just having fun free riding because that's what they saw in the videos you know (laughs) and travis as you said who brings beer to the test track (laughs) (laughs) hooligan Right? Oh man, dude, Pokeroba, Seth, Bubba, man, yeah. like literally, I showed up to that that test track, just hoping to to ride in front of like Roger Coster, and I was so pumped when you guys showed up. Was, it was a whole different style, though. <laughs> you got so excited, you ended up in the in the pond. I did. My dad was so bummed. <laughs> you just destroyed a brand new bike. <laughs> oh, that's what I yeah, you got way too worked up and, and ended up in, in the lake or whatever that thing was, that pond. Just at that point where I was kind of thinking about, you know, if our flips possible, are, are they not possible? And I built a house next door to TJ Lavin. I mean, one of the most well-respected BMX dirt jumpers in the world. Let's get you comfortable flipping a bicycle, you know, and then you will know whether you can or can't flip a dirt bike. Kerry could do it on a BMX bike, but we all know the motorcycle is a lot heavier. It doesn't Travis, the same. So as much when as Kerry was, was thinking about this, were you thinking about back flipping back then or not really? Yeah, dude, everybody was, was thinking about flips. I mean, honestly, we were looking at um, uh, the jet skis. And those guys were doing barrel rolls and 360s, and obviously the gyro was a big difference. But um, yeah. it was it was honestly like it was TJ Lavin that really put the bug in everyone's ears. Like you guys can flip like a hundred percent. And um, man, Kerry just at Gravity Games that year, man, when he just went out, that was like because everyone talked about it, but he didn't even mess around. He launched that thing, vertical takeoff. That was that was insane. Yeah. Yeah, that freaked everybody out. That was cool. And anybody that's anybody that's yeah. flipped knows that doing a flip and not traveling out is way worse. Like once you start put putting distance to it, controlling the flip is much easier. So imagine nobody's ever done one. You're just like, okay, I'm gonna go for it, and it's off some vertical lip, trying to go like ten feet out only. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't. <laughs> and he didn't end up landing on his head. Thank God. He got it around to the tires. So. Yeah, that yeah. one in my book. 
for it is spread like water. I think that, one of the interesting stories that comes up in the movie is how hard it was for Brian to learn it and what he went through after all this. You know, it wasn't magic. that thing, too. He's like he's 30 high feet. Out of the <laughs> yeah, he's like 30 feet high. Dude, <laughs> look how small that landing is. Like, look how much the <laughs> jumps have evolved. I wonder if he hit it first or second. Did he hit it in second? He hit second. He hit second. I talked to him about it, and I was like, just hit it in first, man. You're not going very far. He hit it in second. <laughs> He's up there. First, he may have not over-rotated that little <laughs> yeah, bit. Exactly. First would have been sweet, but he hit it in second. He went so high and far. Yeah. Dude, boosted that. All right, what's the debate on this? Because this is the big debate, right? I personally consider this the first flip, you know, because everybody had the question was, was it even possible? And although he didn't ride away to his pits, he put it on the wheels. He put it to the wheels and rotated it, dude. That's exactly. He proved it was possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, the, there's there's exactly. no debate. Carrie was the first the one to right there. All right, that's for a, sure. that's game all changer. I want. <laughs> that's exactly how I feel too. But I have seen people try to dispute that, and I'm like. Yeah, all the skateboarders that you can't can't dab a foot or something. I don't I don't know, dude. On a dirt bike, it don't matter if you put a foot down. Like you drag both feet behind you, fall over in the landing. You you get something around on the wheels. That's yeah. you can't yeah. just bail out, knee slide out. If you didn't, if the bike didn't yeah. land on you and you didn't get crushed, you uh, you pulled it off, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people landed on their head. <laughs> At the time, though, there were a lot of people who were saying Kerry didn't do it. It really hurt his feelings. Even to this day, he's kind of sore about Those it. Those are people that were jealous of it. Exactly. Haters. That's all that is. <laughs> and then nobody wanted to do it. It was Take two, boys. He proved it's possible. There can be no question. Kerry Hart no, did demons, the nuances um, of riding out or not riding in order to just gone and or chase something. You've got to complete. So Kerry Hart did that. Yeah. He didn't land it. He cracked. In my eyes, still the first one. Still the first flip, hands down, because of the you amount of balls that was out of contest. Yeah, gnarly, nonstop. It's cool though. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> the industry almost backlashed on him. Like, okay, you started that. Now we want to see you right out of it. I mean, there's a, a lot of great things that came with it, but there's also a lot of really dark negatives that came with it too. And unfortunately, all the dark negatives came from my peers in the industry. So it's kind of like a pretty major slap in the face, but that was part of it. Carrie's failure to ride out of the trip left many wondering if it was indeed even physically possible. And for the next year, no one would even attempt it. Yeah. The following year, Kerry broke his collarbone leading up to the X Games in Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Only as a spectator. Oh, man. 
I got out there and there was all this buzz going on and interviews and just yeah. all these situations. All the beginning. You know, you can hurt, you're not, you know, I guess it stands, there's no backflip, you know, it, the first one never really counted. Yes. You know, like all this kind of shit talking. Yeah, and so, and so I made the horrendous mistake of deciding I'm right. Yeah. Thanks. This is unbelievable. He's going to make it 15,000 fans packed in here. The rumor is backflip. Cool, thanks. I can remember being here just watching this and seeing the stress like you know there's sometimes things feel good and there's sometimes like man that this was just gnarly like they were digging and digging and digging and he hit this thing so hard his hand gone left hand still being on the handlebars through the bike in an all-axis spin and I had to hit eject I can guarantee you he could barely pull and hold on with that car ball the way it was. And it goes from that beautiful whine of the motor to the silence. And then that bike hits, and that's a horrible sound. It's a crunching sound. We're going to experience this great joy. He's going to do this great thing. And then a father sees his son hurt. And it's not fun anymore. He tried it two years in a row. He crashed two years in a row, the second time really badly. Are we placing so much pressure on these guys to perform something that just isn't possible? Anything's possible. 16 bones in my foot, four of my ribs, <laughs> side, tailbone, wrist. I mean, it, it thrashed me. With the heavy television viewership of the X Games, freestyle motocross had emerged as its own lifestyle and industry, having broken free from traditional supercross, which still felt threatened and hostile to the free-riding rebels. But some questioned whether its success as a legitimate sport would be overshadowed by the heavy toll on the riders. The revolution was complete. While racing would continue, the imagination of a generation was captured by the upstarts, Freestyle motocross represented freedom and individualism and was rewarded by its own stage, lifestyle, and industry, becoming part of a culture now dubbed action sports and embraced surfing, skateboarding, and BMX. But what had been unleashed had really only just begun. Mike Metzger had been dubbed the godfather of freestyle for progressing a variety of imaginative and inventive tricks. But like most freestylers of the era, he came from an unstoried racing pedigree. I grew up riding dirt bikes from the time I was three years old till now, and, and uh, I started racing motocross at the age of six. Um, won some amateur national championships. From there, jumped into the pro motocross scene. Definitely would have to say some of the, the major components to me, you know, being have a you, um, was, you guys seen you know, any snakes out here? Metzger would now take a radical new approach okay, to Kyle backflips. called me and they asked me if I was going to do backflips in X Games, and I was no, like, I just see my kids running around in the weeds. I saw it was on the roof. And film me actually doing the first flip and landing here in my backyard, riding away from it. Everybody knows. That's crazy. Uh, 
He backs up his crazy. By the time they got there, I was already in the backyard watering, <laughs> prepping the landing, prepping the runway. Vice, you were there that day, weren't you? Yeah, me and Twitch rolled out. He, Mets called me the night before and was like, I'm flipping tomorrow, be at my house. So me and Twitch went out and we were both, as soon as he did, he did like five in a row. Me and Twitch were like, dude, we're like, we're gonna have to learn this now. Like, cause now we knew it could be consistent. Like he did it real smooth every t like five times in a row consistently. Yeah, he did. Dude, everybody, so I had Kenny Barcher in my house right there. We were training for X and Gravity that year. And Kenny, look, he's like, I heard D, uh, Metzger's trying backflips, and I heard he's landing it. And then soon we kind of got the, everyone saying that it happened. And it was like, all right, well, game on. Within like three days from Metzger landing it, I think there was another five people that had done backflips just because, like, kind of like that four-minute mile. We're like, well, do we want to win? Yeah. <laughs> I always equate it to the four-minute mile because it's like human beings did not get faster in that year. Like, there's nothing else that could have happened other than mentally they were like, oh, this is doable. Mm-hmm. For you writers, how much easier is it to do it when you know someone else has already done it? So much. A thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like when you watch the one dude jump the big jump for the first time. You're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Seth was like, yeah, I was that guy all the time. <laughs> not even. Not even. Not even. Um, uh, I, a lot of times there's other guys, I was like, damn, that guy's got some balls. <laughs> I actually paused Always it. Always easier when you know it can be done. Exactly. <laughs> or when you get to hear somebody at least. You know about what's going on. Yeah. Um, even. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I paused it because the this first flip, the first second gear flip, you know, nobody's ever really talked about the fact that the first second gear flip was in a rhythm section and off of dirt. Like how long until yeah. people really started flipping dirt a bunch after that? Actually, no, there, actually a couple of weeks before that, there was uh, we were flipping dirt at Gravity Games. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. So. And Kerry did a, his first ever flip with second gear flip on dirt. But it was still pretty freaking rad because he shifted Step in the up. air doing the first back flip. But I mean, like a gap flip when Kerry's you're talking about off the back of the landing. Yeah, Gravity Games that that same year though it didn't air until after that, but was uh, was was a gap similar. Oh, okay. Um, but it was just so rad. It was two jumps right in a row, and they were so different. The first one was a poppy super kicker. And then he had to shift because he was hitting that first, the first gear, shifting his in the air and going off. I mean, Dane Hammond was the deepest, gnarliest dumps. Like, it was an 85-footer. It wasn't just a second-gear ramp. It was a second-gear pin, steep, old, rutted out takeoff. You know, that's, that was gnarly. Watch out for snakes in the weed. A lot of rattlesnakes around. <laughs> There are a lot of rattlesnakes in this world. That's right, Brian. <laughs> 2002, Philly. 
when it came to freestyle motocross. Because Little I Mandy. just trusted Mike's skill, you know. But once the backslip came in, it really, and the kids, I think it was a mixture of both of them because I'll never forget Philadelphia. I couldn't even focus. My, my jaw kept clenching and I was so scared. Freestyle competition, the rider has two minutes to leave an overall impression on the judges using style, variation, and difficulty. Freestyle had become a sport where pushing the boundaries and constant progression was greatly rewarded. Is Mets the only dude who can make a no visor look cool? <laughs> All right, under 30 seconds. Probably. <laughs> I mean, look at his whole uh, shirt setup with that street bike armor or whatever it was at the time. It's a big one, dude. Mike comes in, pulls the first backflip, and as he's upside down, he clicks second gear. Shifted in the air, first flip and landed and goes to the next flip and did it perfect. Mike Metzger just stopped not only his first medal at X Games, but his first gold medal at X Games. No, I think like even with a lot of the guys today, like there's so many of the top freestyle guys, they're they're very good at once they're in the air. But it, there's something about doing back to back jumps um, that that's makes it really technical. And then you got Drake McKenna. Oh, right, right there. I mean, that the backflip. That was the day that Drake McElroy pretty much ended his his chances of doing freestyle like as a career. Like he did, he has continued on, but that backflip was like it, it was what separated guys that wanted to go out and have a good time to the guys that wanted to take freestyle as a professional sport. Yeah. I just left a, a message for Matt. He was supposed to be on our little party here, but <clears throat> not answering. Yeah, no, uh, just uh, on this, uh, Drake did uh, just answer another question there. Uh, Drake landed a lot of flips. Uh, he actually was decent at him. He just, um, kind of like Brian, like, <laughs> didn't really like it. Uh, Kenny Bartram was the same. Bartram was a year before he really enjoyed it. Or, or started getting the wheels consistently, um, and and Drake just decided just wasn't worth it. But Brian, how was how was your um, like flips were a long time coming for you before they felt natural, right? Yeah, it took a while. Just like I where I grew up, like I never had a trampoline. I never had like anything to, to get me comfortable with anything like that, and. I always just all I did was race so you know the feeling when you go to go upside down I, my natural instincts was always to like get away from the bike and uh, it was really hard for me to commit to like the flips and it, it took me a while it took me like a lot of crashes and but I knew if I didn't do it, it was like I wasn't gonna ever do good again in any contest so um kind of just had to figure it out but after doing it enough like 
I mean, we got to that. We would ride almost every day at, at our house where we had our ramps and we would do, you know, freaking a hundred flips a day, you know? Uh, but it, it's like I said, I mean, we, I guess it, it became pretty, felt pretty good after a while on ramps, but I never, I was never real comfortable with flipping big dirt jumps and stuff like that. I just, for some reason, just wasn't really a click great for me, for sure. Yeah, Brian, I remember you uh, called me uh, before one of the crusty tours that we used to do in, in Australia. And you were going to get um, a pretty good pay increase um, from a promoter uh, back in that day. And you called me and you said, should I do this? Because I want to party, man. <laughs> Yeah. It's a lot of party. I was like, dude, if you if you just stick to the schedule, you know, you can party all week and then put your <laughs> shit together on Friday and Saturday, you know, um, and then you can party again, man. And you're like, all right, I think I can pull that. You're and saying pump, pump the brakes on the weekend. Yeah, pump the brakes on the weekend. Saturday night, we can have a blowout. <laughs> you called me about the backflip. You were uh, remember we brought you out in a tank and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I just got done getting hurt in the X Games. I just broke my femur in both arms. And, yeah, and I, yeah. Tour, yeah, I had to go to the tour in Australia, and I could barely walk. All that metal in my hip, and, uh, and I had to backflip every show. Which yeah. I was wasn't that comfortable with it, even though know. you were telling me, and here we we make you the general and bring you out with a machine gun and a, and a tank and the whole thing, and yeah. away you go. And yeah, I mean, I'm glad I did it. It gave me a reason to like get back quick and and like you know get through the. Injury. But yeah, Friday nights were like I couldn't really we couldn't do much on Friday night. The next. No. You still have Saturday to go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd be level-headed for Saturday. <laughs> well, you pulled it off, and uh, it was interesting just talking about uh, back then, uh, and Feist as well. Is Feist still on here? Yes, sir. I'm here. Well, we made the, you know, characters uh, from you guys from Freestyle. Yeah. Brian, General, Metal Militia with a gun and a tank. And then Feist, you became Kung Fu. Yeah. <laughs> we got the we Kung the Samurai Fu. Sword. <laughs> uh, the samurai Sword. You cut the, guys cut the head off. The whole thing. like a dummy on the tour. We cut the head off the dummy. All the blood flew yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was quite the days that, you know, we were making uh, characters out of you guys. Yeah. And just to say for everybody that's watching this, if you enjoy seeing the characters, it's also fun to see a documentary on Brian that includes all that, and some of this footage is in it too, but it's got a lot more about that period of time, bloodline, the life of time to fly and vegan. It's worth seeing like this one. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then Sethro, we made you a character. I think I had, had you go through, what, some plate glass windows and yeah things <laughs> you were like that's probably not a good idea right 
Broke through some glass, yeah, a couple times. You broke through some glass and some fire and all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, faith, trust, a lot of faith, a lot of trust. Yeah. So interesting times that we made everybody kind of their own character at that time. Good times. Oh yeah. Hey, they're asking uh, how you see Bloodline. Where, where can you watch that? It, isn't it still on iTunes and Vimeo, Paul? I think it's uh, iTunes, Vimeo is where you can download it still. Yeah, I think it's uh, iTunes, Vimeo, and I don't know. It's still on there. If you just go, if you just uh, go on your iTunes and put in Brian Deegan, Bloodline, uh, it comes up. Nice. Yeah, sorry, I'm just watching the yeah, just watching a couple of these uh comments that are coming up. They're like, Can they see these? Can you guys see those on your screen? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, nice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They want to talk to you anyway, Travis, more than me. Oh yeah, so there's that's a grip load. If you click on it, they all come up. <laughs> yeah. They've oh, been chatting in there the that. whole time. Just next time one pops up on your screen, click it and then there's a grip load. Travis, who flipped the 75-foot ramp for? Well, I mean, technically, that was Mets when he did the well, – not ramp, but, yeah. I mean, that's when he did that one, I, that's what I was like. Oh, yeah, he could definitely um, – shoot, I, I don't even know. Do you know? I know I tried it in practice once for best trick, and I bounced off the ground so bad, didn't even get close. <laughs> Oh, dude, that's when they mic'd you. Up in the back. Spice, remember yeah, when they tried to mic us in here for X Games? And you, all you had was like, yeah. <laughs> it, was sad. it was bad, but it was pretty funny. That was bad. <laughs> I'm going to bring up the Spice story uh, trying to do the 360. When we, the, when we get into the, the 360. Yeah. <laughs> the 180. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that one. I guess it was kind of like Travis's flip off in uh, in San Francisco. I just totally backed out. <laughs> Changed my mind right up the lip. Like, no. yeah, you got the one eighty now. Yeah. <laughs> so that that crash there, that was one of the nights I I did not uh, hold off some partying. <laughs> <laughs> That was a nasty one. Yeah, it'll bake that feel. your conversation with me to go on the Krusty tour? That was after, yeah. No, it was, it was before. Oh, it was, huh? Yeah, that was before. Yeah, because that's when I just learned like to flip. flip. Yeah. I just learned, yeah. Yeah. There's a badass dude right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, jumped a skateboard over the China Wall. Great Wall of China. And he did it with a broken foot. How bad was this one? Oh, God. Like the Cordova flip. <laughs> <laughs> Worst bar hump flip of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Never even thought about letting go. 
Just never. Just, there till the ground. Just take it. Committed. Yeah. My life would be easy. Classic Nate. He he said I'm embarrassed. I think I just was in major denial. Hey, was that hard? To, that was Hart's next attempt, huh? The loss of so much talent. The door was left. Uh, yeah. And then I don't think he did it after that, right? Tried three times. Once he, I don't know if he ever did it again. No, I think came back that last year. Yeah, I don't think so. Three strikes, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy. How's that guy? Why don't we follow in the footsteps of He's a bastard. So Mike's moving freestyle in a completely different direction. That's rough. He's got his feet. People know this guy. Beat his record on Harley, right? Yeah. Yeah. also has the world record for jumping 32 kegs of beer. Most yeah. kegs anyone's ever jumped. I don't know that anyone else has ever jumped a keg of beer before, but. <laughs> Tacoma, Washington. That's right. Crusty four, man. <laughs> he sets a world record for jumping 32 kegs of beer. <laughs> wow. Travis, you're an encyclopedia. <laughs> I, want, I waited for those VHS tapes to get to my house. Like when they came out and we pre-ordered them, like every day I was like waiting for the FedEx or UPS guy to get there. Do you still have a VHS machine? Oh heck yeah! I got a well VHS and DVD. It's on a little uh, little TV. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Hey, how far did you jump that Indian, Travis? No, it, was, it was just an awesome opportunity to kind of give tribute to, to evil, and dude, it ended up being the highest rated uh, network television show of the year. So it was like just cool to bring like my dad's generation with kind of my kids' generation and let everyone kind of come together and talk about when. You know, when men were men and bikes were crap and, you know, kind of where the stunt man's gone and that it, it's not, that era's not over. It just changed to action sport, you know? Yeah, no, that, that was cool. It was cool as hell. I just wonder how far you ended up jumping on that Indian. Uh, one, so Evil's longest jump was 145. So we did about 160. Um, but it wasn't supposed to be about beating any of the records. I mean, obviously, if we can't do that at this point with all the technology and, and numbers and stuff, I, that's a failure. But just wanted to make it as, as big as what we could to make it kind of cool. But yeah, actually, might have been might have been like 180 was where I landed on the bus jump. Um, but yeah, once 165 to the to the top of the landing. How fast? I don't know. <laughs> just gave, gave us some gas. <laughs> no but this is pretty cool like metzger doing this like that's when the 120 ramp first came out so for him to jump the the caesar's fountain um like that was pretty gnarly because we no yeah. one knew you could like that's way further than anyone had flipped at the time for sure that was sick okay everybody tell matt Matt! I'm leaving a message. That's your lady. She was the one who was running the the, uh, the, the crowd control. Everybody say, what's up? Matt. What up? Let's go. 
Mets is late again. <laughs> oh, he's always a day late. When we did the Fresno viewing, he uh, wrote Adam on Monday after it. Where's Twitch? I thought Twitch was supposed to be on there. Yeah. Back it out. Why don't you guys call Twitch? I just left him a message. Twitch? Twitch game. <laughs> I saw him post about it. I know. I don't know where he's at, dude. And, and same with Hart. I just left him a message, Twitch A and Mets. Huh. That's sick. You sliding her in. Olsen. Anybody seen Olsen? Travis. Yep. Would you do that? Now, yes, then, no. <laughs> no, I mean that's ours. Yeah, dude. So so much is the, the stuff. I mean, to be the first one to do stuff, like you know, Seth was just saying, like it's so difficult to know the speeds and the if it'll work. And once you do it, like you can watch it and you can learn and you can study that tape and that video, or you can you know what gear they hit the jump in or whatever, and it it, it all makes sense. But like that was that was gnarly. That's pretty gnarly. And we the way jumping, uh, yeah, like uh, shifting up a gear. That was a third gear pin flip, you know? Yeah. Ramp to ramp, too. Yeah, ramp to ramp over <laughs> some ridiculous shit that evil, evil couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dylan, we're, we're answering questions. We're just waiting for you guys to send them. What do you got? Most of the guys writing in are just writing comments. If you guys ask questions, we'll, we'll, we'll get them. Uh, I think they're talking about being like unmuted and actually able to ask some stuff, which we can do that. Um, like I said, I normally wait until the end, but who has their hands up here? I don't see it. Part of the Q and A tab. I have it pulled Sorry. up, I thought. Dude, I still hate the 360. Still the worst trick ever. Like it's easier to do a double backflip with the with the 360 more consistent than it is to do a backflip or just do a 360. <laughs> like the things just come in so crappy with a dirt bike. And Travis's head. That's easier. Yeah, not many guys ever did it. I mean, even till now, like count the numbers of guys who actually still do threes today. It's so low. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, Bilko's got them pretty dialed, but, like, if you do them right, like, wheels down, I know, dude, Twitch was doing better backflip whips than most people were doing threes. Yeah. It just comes in weird, but, like, if you pull as hard as you can, you do a full backflip, and if you spin as hard as you can, you get a half a twist or a full flip. So if you have enough time in the air, it actually works out better to pull as hard as you can and lean as hard as you can and do a double back with with the full twist. So Brian, what are you what are you thinking here right here? What are you thinking? Got to uh, pull it. Yeah, I honestly 
I wasn't, I was 50 50 to be honest on the run. Like I was 50 50 of like if I was even going to do it or not, to be honest. Yeah. And I knew my run was just like so like basic that I'm like, it, I just got that urge within me like on the last turn, last few jumps of like, dude, I, I got so mad at myself that I was just like, the run wasn't that great that I'm like, I don't even care if I crash. Like I just kind of sent it and see if I could pull it. And uh, and uh, luckily I slid down the side, a fifty fifty day. But I, I was freaking nervous for sure. Like going up to it, I'm like, shit, this is gonna be gnarly. By the way, that was the best, flattest three sixty you've done in your whole career. For sure. <laughs> that was that was damn good. Yeah, I should have just stopped right there and just freaking been done with it. But yeah. No, it was by far. And look how I land down the side of the landing. If Ooh. I would have done that, oh. I would have crashed. Yeah, like, if you didn't hit the soft stuff. stuff. Yeah. Soft spot. I know it's where I was hitting. I know. muscled it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you ruined my day, though, because I was thinking, I'm like, man, I wonder if I, I can win without the 360. I'm like, I don't have this. I hate this trick. I don't like the way it comes in. And I'm going over my run, and the crowd just erupts and gives yes. the champ. He goes, dig it, did a 360. Like, I had not even heard a rumor that you were going to be doing that. And I was like, son of a. Yeah, I, now I got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of dispute, I can tell you, whether that Brian's trick came before or after the bus. Dude, these X Games were the best, though. The ones in the Coliseum and the Home Depot were so sick. This was such a gnarly course. Kenny Marshall came up to me in practice and goes, hey, do you think anyone noticed if I just went home? Like, dude, <laughs> like before we even jump, we're not talking about doing tricks. We're just talking about jumping the jumps. I remember. Dusty Wagle and, yeah, Dusty Wagle and some of the Nitro guys went to that one. The, the energy in that stadium was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, that was the best. Sick. Freestyle. That was the best freestyle event I think, like ever. Like as far as the, the as far as the height. Yeah, yeah. but to be honest, here, here it comes, Travis. Time no, out. Okay, the timeout. I know Brian's giving me shit. I got to be the only X Games athlete to read the entire rule book top to bottom for every sport. Like, there's no way that any of you guys did that. I but never I was like, even knew you could do that. What? Read the rule book. It was it was for the BMX in case they uh, they had a some broker a skateboard or whatever. So it, the rules in FMX stated that you had to be on your way to your final jump before the time ran out. And I looked up at the clock and I saw I had like three seconds left. So I, I put my hands in timeout and I was like, I got my my bars are bent. There's Brian like you. Time out with stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, though, like your guys's runs were so good. Like every jump was, you guys were flipping the seventy-five doing tricks, and uh, like if, I don't think I should have won for one trick either. You know, like it was a freestyle contest. I mean, I think it was just about doing the trick. You know, at the end of the day, it was like that. You guys were doing a gnarly run. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the things I told the judges is you reward risk and innovation. It's not about consistency. That's not what the sport is built on. So that was the philosophy I had running the judges was whoever's the gnarliest guy and does something first, that's where you should 
but you quote. Which yeah, no, I I a thousand percent agree with that. I mean, look, dude, that crowd. Yeah, Nate Adams probably had the best run of the night, but like if you talk about the whole overall run, but the crowd during Nate's run, they were excited. Nate was great, but when Brian did that, you know, like the the whole crowd. That's what people are. I mean, they still to this day they still talk about it. The militia twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the one like those big moments for sure. Every year. Hey Travis, why didn't you ever want to go in the snow? He was smart. <laughs> I never once I went to Winter X. Ryan, smart, how good was the snow? Good, good time, yeah, right? Yeah, I always figured you'd be into it because you like grew up in the snow and the cold, but you're smart smart enough not to take the risk over there. Uh, plus, it was during Supercross season, so. Not gnarly when the when the um, ruts formed in the face, and then it snow. Didn't even see. Yeah, they put the blue dye on it, so you could kind of try to see the transition. <laughs> yeah, but you can't see the ruts. It's sketchy, dude. No, at, at altitude, like the, to me, I'm like we're gonna be going and doing two year old tricks to try to get the win. Like for me, freestyle was about pushing like what you could do. And I just, yeah. I didn't like anything about that whole setup. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, was, like I won with like a backflip, uh, no legs. And like they said, the landing, you saw the guy with the hose, we would build it in layers and turn it, it's just a giant ice block. <laughs> like a lot of work. Kind of work. <laughs> Hard to prepare for it too. Hey boys, remember we tried to build just... the dirt jump to mimic it. That went against the event we're going to do. It was a best trick. So we've taken the most insane thing you could possibly do in the sport of freestyle motocross. And put it on yeah, out here, Dana. I'm going to take a break, man. The ice cream man's here. He came out to our camp. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> HB. I'll be back in a minute. All right, yeah. Grab, grab some, grab some wappies for me. <laughs> I'll be back. D dog. The ice cream man's in town. <laughs> Throw the pinky. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> a lot of inside jokes there. <laughs> Riding in an ice cream truck in your yeah. <laughs> You gotta go get an ice cream, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> just getting it, dude. Give you guys some scenery. That's gnarly shit there. Brian. That's not good. Yeah, I just don't. I didn't know why. Why I did that? I couldn't believe you tried that either, dude. I was like, what? <laughs> the lip was like flat too. Dude, it was like no I lip. Not believe you tried that. I know. I think if I would have hung on to it, I don't know what would have happened. I've tried to study that. I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I would have just landed on my back or what. It yeah. looks like you probably high side it. And 
And uh, I'm just laying there. I'm like, oh man, I'm fucked. <laughs> Fuck the femur. <laughs> yeah, the femur sucks. Yeah, Vice, you know about the femur too. Shit. Yeah, the femur is a bad one. Oh, bro, you know about it too. Twice. Yeah, huh? Dean's got two, bro. What'd you do? I break both wrists and your femur, huh? Yeah. Both wrists, like in three spots each, and then my femur, I like shattered it. My my hip. I remember I came to see the hospital before I flew home. I felt so bad to leave you there too. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I gotta jump on my flight, and you're just jacked, dude. Just all, yeah. Just so out of it. <laughs> I was there for like a week or two. I dude. know you were and jacked it, up, dude. <laughs> Well, you, yeah, got, you got really, a screwed out right here, right? Yeah. <laughs> it really made – I just remember it, like, bugging me that I was sitting there and everyone was home and I was the only one left at Aspen. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, hey, call me when you get home. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, that's, like, made me really think about the sport, to be honest, when I just sat there for two weeks. Yeah. And then when your flight home, like, horrible – Right? Can you tell me, like, yeah. trying to get comfortable the whole flight home, you were just, like, miserable. Oh, yeah. And the gnarliest pain ever, you know? Yeah. I remember. Yeah, like, gnarly pain, for sure. When, when that happens, Brian, do, does the airline give you a special seat? Or not really? Uh, yeah, they had, a, they had a seat. Um, Like, I had, yeah, I got a seat, but then they they tied me with some weird like tie down strap on my legs and i just remember this big this big old lady like yanked down on my legs super tight with this tie down i just remember screaming because it was like right on my broke leg and it was like i don't know i just like certain details that i won't forget you know What Metzger's talking about right there is all within one year. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. He used to get weeded a lot. Yeah, he got yeah. worse. He always got worse. Remember when he got caught in the back of the bike and it ripped his back off at that like supercross race in San Diego? Yeah. And they had to had cut the a bur- chunk of his skin yeah, off. Yeah, had like a burnout across his back. He got yeah. caught with shit. That was so bad. Right. Yeah. And, and he lost the nut, didn't he? Yeah, I yeah. think he did. <laughs> yeah. 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 One of the things we wrestled with when we were making the movie. Public there, I guess. One of the things we were dealing with in making the movie was how much crashes to show. We didn't really, you'll see there's not, there are some, but we, we saved it as much as we could. We didn't want to make that about what this movie was. This is the only section where it really focuses on that. And then it's really about setting up Brian's comeback after the crash. That's why it's the break between the two moments to now make the next one more, have more dramatic impact when he goes back. As being a representative from whatever moto industry, we appreciate that because otherwise you could have definitely painted a terrible picture, I'm sure, with all the crash footage that you have. I think, Paul, that 
we wanted to keep everybody uh, in, a, in a bright light as a character, as people that uh, might have had, you know, problems, but they overcome uh, the circumstances that, you know, the, that our athletes had to deal with. And you end up pretty much at the end of the film with a bunch of heroes. So. I'll let you take that from there, Paul. Well, it's to find themes that are not related to moto per se, but are themes that you can relate to. Like in this case, he crashes, Brian crashes, and it's facing coming back. And that's yeah. really, to me, the theme of the movie is if you fall down, get back up, which is what yeah. all you guys did. No, like how bad it was snowing. Dude. <laughs> it was like dumping snow, That's dude. Gnarly. I just remember you can't even see the ruts. No, it was white. It was whitewash. Pull yeah, it out. Every bit of stardom and accolade that he got. That's more of a snowboarding. <laughs> That's a whiteout. And, and again, and every time he went down, he got back up and went for it to prove that he was worthy of that spot. You know, dude comes back and wins a gold medal. And, you know, again, there's a great story to that, but it's sort of like, you know what, this, this is just being pushed a little too much. Not long after, X Games would remove freestyle best trick from winter competition. Still, on dirt, a new breed of athletes continued to push progression. Nate Adams so, Paul, was it only two years of uh, the winter X? I think it was more than that because we did it in Vermont the first time, and then we must have done at least two or three years in Aspen. In Aspen. But it was more than two years for sure. Vermont was really hard the first time we did it because it wasn't cold, so the snow was really soft. And Mike Jones won it with me. Travis, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm right here, man. Here you go. What are you doing right here? You just pushing the ramp around? Yeah, pretty, yeah. Had <laughs> enough pushing the ramp back. Dude, that ramp, um, so we had a super kicker set um, two and a half feet up in the front. How like Jeannie and those guys are doing double flips with it flat. Um, and uh, Levi Sherwood's doing like no prop up double back knacks with uh, with, with his bike and stuff. So, um, no, it was interesting because I just started switching over to rally and really had it like because we did like the rally stages first. Um, I was trying to make that transition, and I'm a tenth of a second off of Colin McRae after all the stages. Um, that's where I wanted to go. I know I have freestyle coming up, which is kind of my best event, and Supermoto 2, which I always was horrible at. But, you know, I got basically three more events after best trick. Um, and, you know, you're third after that first round. I'm thinking, well, I, I already got a medal here. And, um, you know, my mom's crying. She thinks I'm going to die. Like, it, it was pretty gnarly. They were trying to break up the landing, but the landings at X Games are just third rock solid. So if you crash, that's, that's gonna suck. So what are you thinking right here? 
Um, well, right there, we kind of made the decision. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. Everyone, dude, I got all the rally team, like, don't do it. My mom, don't do it. Everyone was pretty much like, dude, you don't need to do the double backflip here. Um, but I just, just, I was like, man, if I don't do it now, I don't know if I'll ever do it. Like, I've been working on this trick for four years. Like, I know I can make it. Um, so I had the world worst outfit. I was like, man, it happened. <laughs> Got the plaid going for you. Yeah, but what are you thinking right here? Um, actually, if you look up, I'm not that far off of that um, right there, that camera and that, that kind of the roof lights. So it, that right there looked really close to me. Um, but yeah, the whole world like slowed down. I remember all the uh, smells, sights. It was one of the wildest. Like it felt like it was rotating that slow. Um, but yeah, once you commit to doing something, that's you're pretty much in. So I figured when it took off, I'm like, well, really? best out of oh. it. <laughs> There's a story that we couldn't fit into the documentary. You may remember, Travis, that my son was in the athlete round. Just go have fun, and that seemed to light you up. That he said, "Okay, I'm gonna go do this." Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. I mean, there's. <laughs> Bro, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> uh, that was one of the few times that, like, everybody and, and watching the, um, you know, uh, Kevin Robinson and Chad Keggy were both prime players that night. He had Tony Hawk right, right there. Because um, it has no attention to look. You know, Sandra Bullock. Like, it, everybody was there. My wife, I didn't know her at the time, but she was there watching. Like, it was one of those moments that, like, everyone was there. And so many people come up to me still now and, like, oh, I was – um, you know, over in Iraq, I was here, I was there, and it, it just, it's just—it's cool that it reached um, such a wide audience and kind of understood like what I was going through. Like as a, an athlete, you always have these moments that define you, but rarely does everyone else feel the same thing you do. So that was pretty cool. And what about mom? Yeah, she uh, she's still she's still nervous from that night I, was, I she was probably closer to dying that night than i was with a heart attack but uh no she, she's always supportive me though. yeah i thank her every day for now being a parent especially allowing me to chase my dreams uh, bill Co, yeah bill code deegan yeah bell no i mean like literally there couldn't have been more people watching that night uh, more of my peers, more of my friends, um, and then the whole world, obviously, with X Games, having it live. I was there. It was awesome. This was a really hard part for us to be making the movie from a structural standpoint because you had this incredible moment where Travis does the double backflip. But the history doesn't end there. We had to then transition to this section, which is actually very, very sad. And then we had to so find another ending. At one point, we actually contemplated moving those and having the bust situation happen and then Travis, but it was just untrue. I couldn't do it. Hey, Brian, you there? Vegan, <laughs> now's a good time to chime in. Oh, yeah. 
Hey, Paul, why don't you tell uh, a bit about making this part of the movie? Very, uh, you, you started to touch on that, but uh, kind of it was really hard. It was very emotional. I mean, obviously, for Brian, it's a real thing, and Ronnie, it's a real thing. You know, yeah. as a filmmaker, you just try to tell the story, but we felt we had to be, we had yeah. to keep this in here because it really was a another one of these turning points and it was a way to pay tribute to jeremy and i think it also really illuminates a lot about brian you see his, his reaction how he's the narrator for this section of the movie in big point a large part and, uh, yeah. we did not show the crash we had access to jeremy's crash here there was a thing called live leak where you see this little bit of footage but i didn't want to show the actual stuff and we we didn't show what really happened going on um, but it was real serious I felt like I needed to go there we head out to Costa Rica and we land and we go straight to the hospital walking down these hallways and there's like deep people moaning and it was just like just third world and I said where's the doctor where's the surgeon and I'm like what's gonna happen he's like oh he's not probably not gonna make it like, I was like no way we have to save him you know and he started calling around and saying a life flight we got a life flight I'm home. like this place is a nightmare like hey brian yeah okay. uh, is this a tough part to talk about this was kind of a heavy little thing for me and paul to make that segment but it was kind of more of a like paul said a tribute it's my best friend so to lusk yeah, and you have to tell the story, right? I mean, it's, it yeah. yeah, that was, it like I said, I was in the hospital yeah. with, down there. And when I got down there, it was really weird that he was just kind of in a room by himself. And and it was just like no one was around. And yeah. and, uh, and he had like all these tubes connected to his head. And it didn't, it didn't even look like him anymore because he was so swollen. And uh -huh. And, uh, and we, we were like, where's the doctor? Where's the doctor? We had to walk around town in the middle of like the hood. And we found this little doctor's office way, like way from the hospitals where they told us the nurses said the doctor was. And we talked to the brain surgeon and the brain surgeon was just pretty much like, yeah, he's not going to make it. And uh, we were like, really? Like, we don't like, that's it. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he was wasn't just, it, wasn't it something that you wanted to get him on an airplane, but you can't do that with a head trauma, that kind of thing. Yeah, because, you know, we didn't realize that, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to pay for a flight to get him out of here, like a medical flight to yeah. get him out of here to the, to a better, better care. Cause we felt like that the hospital was really, really bad. And, yeah. and, um, but they said he's not stable enough to fly. And then when we called yeah. all the medical flight people and doctors, they're like, no one wanted to take him on a flight because they're like, he's too unstable. He won't uh -huh. make it. And we were like, well, he's not going to make it here. The doctors already said he's not going to make it. Yeah. And so they, they, they were just pretty much like, you know, not non-emotional of like, Hey, he's just like, he had a big, you know, a head trauma. Uh, I think he broke his neck also. And it was like, Hey, we're not going to make it. And, and uh, so we sat there through it 
and I was in the hospital like in, when his parents finally got there because they, they did not have passports. So they had to wait like a day or two. And uh, so by that time, I we waited. It had been a day or two. And Jackson was the only rider out of all the riders that were at event. He was the only rider that stayed. And, and Jacko. Yeah. Jacko, yeah. Okay. He, was, he was the only rider that stayed with him. And uh, so, so when we got there, we hung out with Jack for a little bit and he left. But my point was, I was there with, you know, Cameron and Apple and I forget, you know, there's a few other people, but the, the parents finally got there and this is already a day or two in. And, and when the dad got there, like I witnessed a father and a son, right? I witnessed a father and a son, like yeah. a, a father seeing his only son in that condition, which was hard to even watch. And then, uh, and then within minutes, I think he redlined and like his body got temperature got too high and then redlined. And then so like a doctor, a few doctors came in and started giving him CPR. But like, it was like, you know, his dad got to see him for the last few minutes, like, you know, alive before he, you know, totally was gone. And, uh, but I, you know, I witnessed that whole thing and it was just heavy. Like I took to see that all go down. Like it was something, probably the naughtiest thing I've ever seen for sure. You know, it was like, you know, and I didn't even know what to say or do really. It was, I don't know. Like that was like something yeah. that I wish, like, I wish I never was a part yeah. of or never witnessed, but it, but it happened. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I was just, you know, touching on, on that. Cause that was a hard subject for, uh, when Paul and I were trying to make, you know, light of that story. We didn't know how to cover that, really. Yeah. But I think it came out uh, pretty good uh, in, in, you know, the Unchained story, and it was a good thing to tell, so people kind of know Jeremy. You know what I mean? Yeah, you definitely want to feel like it wasn't all for nothing. You know, like he he had a cool legacy. He did a lot of cool stuff. He, you know, he was he clicked yeah. with us real fast. He was. He was a good dude. Uh, at the end of the day, had a, he had a good legacy that needed to be told. Like, and, and yeah. I think it's good that it was told because it'd be sad to think if his memory just like faded out without, you know, yeah. telling that story. You know, I think that's how we felt when we were putting it together. Isn't that right? Uh, I'll let Paul chime in. Well, one of the things is if you look back at the section, it was very hard to do. I'm speaking now as a structural filmmaker. You want to tell the emotional story, but Brian actually had a camera, a flip phone that he shot a lot of footage of when he was there. And we tried all kinds of things with the highest technology we could find to extract the footage, but it had been a damaged disc. So, and then there was other footage that Lauren had in stills, but nobody wanted to share it because it was so emotional. And we respected that, but I had to find a way, we had to find a way to telling the story without any footage so what we did was if you saw that and we just played it we ran a tribute to him healthy man right here while we're hearing the story about how bad he is so it's cinematically it actually ended up working better than having the footage because it's all in your mind as brian tells the story and you see these lovely pictures of jeremy healthy and happy with his wife and riding so that's how we ended up because video you got to have video to show and i didn't want it to just be brian on camera for that long so by using you know just different footage we found of jeremy some of the footage was from a series i did called fmx riot 
where mm-hmm. we went to Dubai with Jeremy. And I, on a personal level, I got to spend a couple of weeks with him there. And he really was a sweetheart of a guy. I mean, he was a tough guy and, you know, but as Brian will tell you, I really found him to be one of the nicest guys I ever met in freestyle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, he was young, you know, very young. So it's, uh, you know, sad to, sad to see that all happen, you know, but it's, you know, telling that story was, you know, it was good. It was good that he, you know, his legacy that will, will live on through that for sure. Well, that was a cool way to, to uh, do a segment on Jeremy. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And luckily, Travis cooked up this crazy idea for the triple, which gave us an ending to the movie, because when we were doing it, you know, we had this section here about the sports progressing, but I didn't want to end it. You know, where do you, you know, I'm, again, I'm thinking like a movie maker also. How do you end this thing? We Taka. have, we have, Taka, <laughs> we have these different Taka. things that happen, but we needed a bigger ending and it kind of got handed to us kind of back from Travis Pastrana, even though he wasn't exact, he didn't do it himself. Travis, you made it possible for the film. You know, we're sort of recapping the story here, the different That's people. Right, getting 300. Three hundo. <laughs> Finally made it. Three oh one. That's a landing set, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you need. We had to build a big one. That one was sweet. <laughs> what we're doing is we sort of recap it, but leading up to. Your other cockamamie idea, Travis, with uh, Josh Sheehan. Yeah, what's all that about, Travis? What the hell did you build? Well, we had been working on a, a triple ramp pretty much since the 2006 double flip, but I, I couldn't do it. Um, so we, we, I tried with Red Bull and kept pursuing it with Nitro. So I invited um, Paget and uh, Josh Sheehan out to the house. Um, had an, had an airbag How sweet is um, and it was so we started with um i don't know probably a 28 foot tall takeoff and we ended up with a 44 foot tall takeoff uh, he was a little over 100 feet in the air on this uh, almost 90 degrees so he only went uh like 22 or 23 feet distance forward um but he went you know 100 feet up so that that landing the top of the landing is 65 feet above where the ground level is on the other side um, and he didn't want to do it, so he did it to a bag. And we, we invented a lot of cool stuff along the way, but I was scared to death to do it to a bag. So everyone's like, oh, well, how did Josh get – like, why was he allowed to do it? Like, who, who picked Josh? I was like, nobody picked Josh. No one else showed up. Like, <laughs> after everybody was done and Red Bull's like, we're done funding this, and Nitro's like, we've, we're done funding this, and I, my wife's like, we're done funding this. Josh came, and he was paying his own flight out. Uh, he was welding his own ramps. He was he brought out like ten of his uh, his buddies from home. I didn't uh, know that. To to all like yeah after a whole year after all the funding stopped, um, and working with uh, bag jump and everything, trying to get to where we could do it as safe as possible. And I mean, shoot, everyone's like, oh, airbags are safe, but it, he uh, he had internal bleeding a couple times just from landing well on the bag. You can't drop yeah. from that high, you know. So, um, Josh how's he, how's he awesome. end up at your house? from Perth, Australia. <laughs> I've been to his house. Yeah. No, Nitro Circus, man. That's uh, it's, it's a, it's yeah. a tight group. Yeah, it's cool. 
Yeah. Why didn't you want to do it, Travis? I wanted to do it for six years. I I finally got one around, and when I say around, I mean I wouldn't have landed. I just got to my face on, on the triple, and I came up, and I went to hit it again. I was like, I was all excited, and I was on a 125. I tried all different things, but I'm six gear pinned on a 125, oh and I, I locked it up. I didn't go to it. I'm like, if I am scared to death to hit this ramp with an airbag, what makes me think? that I'm going to commit to doing a triple because it's not just committing to the, to hit the ramp. And yeah, mind you, if you go, you know, our, our landing bag was, uh, was, uh, 35 foot wide. So you're only, you know, you're only going, you know, 18 feet or whatever off each side basically. And, and the takeoff was so steep, like you could easily buckle off the side. So even to an airbag is scary, but <laughs> I figured if I'm scared to do it to an airbag, you got to commit to the first flip, the second flip, and then you look at the ground going away, you know, you're 70 feet off the deck and you got to commit to a third one. I didn't have the balls, quite frankly. Mm. <laughs> I'd love that, to that, Ronnie, that jump retired me. Ronnie, what do you and, my, and, and Brian think? I mean, I know as a fan, it blows my mind, but what do you think, Ronnie? About the three? I two. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I thought the double was gnarly enough. Three you got the 180 down, though. I don't even, I don't, I don't even realize that. Like that would really be possible. It was one of those things where I'm like, I can't believe they did that. Like that's insane. So, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing when I saw it. I just couldn't believe how high it was. Like the, it's just like that. The height out of it was so crazy. Like, yeah, it's. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if anyone will do that again. Yeah. I, uh, Harry Bink and Jo are working <laughs> on it. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Jo Jo's really close on a twenty-one foot ramp. Harry's pretty close on the fourteen footer, but I think Jo's going to need to go probably twenty-eight feet or there on, on the takeoff ramp. Um, I, I, Harry could probably get it off of the off of the, the twenty-one, the one I did the double flip three on. Um, yeah. But Harry's he's strong, even though he's short. He's super well, strong. Like both gets, of those guys are. Yeah. Oh yeah. Friggin'. Jo was bending handlebars on the takeoff. <laughs> on the takeoff. <laughs> Travis, what was That's that great. trick that destroyed your ankle? And is that something you've ever tried to do again? No, I had another flip to it. It's a lot easier. That's what I said. I can't. I hate spins. <laughs> it's easier to do. I could do that trick. I, I could do a flip, two seventy, and then as and just tuck another. It's just yeah. No, I hate that trick. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what about your, what about your bar spin? deal you ever gonna do that again no uh thomas paget he uh, started working on that again and um a uh, couple of the guys doing body burials and it's just, it's just too expensive to, to build that stuff you know it's a whole different frame yeah Trap, what do you like what do you think of the future of freestyle i mean are, are they paul are they still having freestyle anymore at X Games? They they well this year this year it's kind of a uh maybe a, it's not a total secret but Axel Hodges has built a giant course out somewhere in the boondocks of Escondido. Yeah. And uh, they're going to, because of the, the, the lockdown, the X Games is going to do some kind of a live thing from different venues. So uh -huh. they'll be without crowds, obviously. So there'll be something at a mega ramp. There'll be something at a freestyle course. There'll be something in, in skateboarding. So the answer is yes. I will tell you, there was a period of time after the snowmobile guy's name I'm blanking on who passed away at Winter X. Um, when we were finishing this movie, and my That's wife is with me, 
we had the, the head PR person for ESPN and Disney, like a top, top person, met with yeah. us on another project. And I showed her the early trailer of this movie, and we hadn't gotten the deal done yet for the footage rights. And she said, your movie will never get released. We will never license, license you the footage. That was right after that guy passed away at Winter X Games. And Caleb. Caleb Moore. It's Caleb, Caleb Moore. And yeah. they said ESPN is so paranoid. Unlike stock car racing or other sports, ESPN isn't the promoter. So if someone was to have the tragedy like happened in NASCAR, like it happened with Dale Earnhardt, ESPN says, hey, we're just a broadcaster. But with X Games, they're the promoter. And the people yeah. at the highest level of Disney, if you think about how big Disney is as a corporation, they are they run the parks, they run ABC Network, they run the Disney Channel, X Games, and they run ESPN, obviously. X Games is so tiny, this guy came into a meeting and said, I've never heard of X Games, and we put something on that killed a young person. We should just kill this whole deal. We should not mm. have X Games in our company. It's a bad deal for a public company that's a youth-oriented, have-fun, Mickey Mouse company. They were able to save it, um, but they originally said, you know what, you're not going to be able to ever release this movie. We'll never give you the footage. Um, but luckily, as would happen, Monster Energy then became a title sponsor of X Games, and they were saying, no, we want to see this movie. And ESPN said, well, if Monster is good with it and they wanted to keep that relationship good, that helped move them to say, we can't shut this down. They'd originally said, yes, we'll do the deal, Paul. We can have all the footage you want. Then they changed their mind. And we were at one point, Susie was with me in Hawaii, and we, we did an ESPN movie about Eddie Aikau, a big wave surfer. And we were there for the PR, and they sent their top person and said, nope, not going to happen. But luckily it happened. So as far as I know, they're still pushing forward um, with a new way to do it this year. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know the but future I, of it. So I think your question is a good one. You know, I was at Minneapolis last year, and there's Paget doing double backflips in his warm-up run. Like yeah. it was like Nothing. They drill them now like they're easy. So that's my question to you guys, to Travis. Like, obviously, the tone has changed. The risk level has changed. But where is there a future? Because I will, you know, if you were, you know, Jacko Strong is pulling some crazy stuff. But a lot of this other stuff, as crazy as it is, it just doesn't have this excitement to it because it's all dialed in airbags. And everybody comes in, just doesn't have the same feel. Is it going to ever change? Because I think the energy has left the sport a lot. Um, well, for me, it's all about the, the progression of ramps and that kind of stuff. Like we're, um, you know, it, it's tough when X games, they went and it, it it's good. Um, but it's like the Olympics, like they're, everything's, you know, who can point their toes more kind of, which has never really been what, um, action sports and really freestyle was about. Um, but there's a lot of guys that don't like to hit different ramps or try new, new things like that. And what I liked about when Dane Heron and the guys were building the, the, the dirt lips, is every time you went to X Games, it was different. It makes it harder to do big tricks, but that was really exciting. When we got to Coliseum, and like I said, Bartram and heck, everybody was like, man, I'm, I'm scared to even jump the jumps. That that adds an element of excitement. Um, you know, it does make the tricks more difficult, but you get that catch-22. So um, for me, I think it'll go more back grassroots. You can see like guys like Axel Hodges, um, you know, and they got the quarter pipe, you get all this, this rad stuff coming in. That's exciting, that's different. And uh, I don't think... You know, and Ronaldo last year with X Games was absolutely ridiculous as far as a trick perspective. But I think it's going to continue to grow um, based on the courses and the modifications that are going to come of that. And it, it, it won't die until uh, imagination dies for sure. 
Travis, what do you think about the people who criticize the cheater, quote unquote, ramps? Like I just did an interview with Jackson Strong. What's your feeling about that on the front flip? Um, nope. I mean, Paris Rosen um, made it so he could do double double fronts. Um, as a promoter of, of entertainment, yeah. um, it's awesome for Nitro Circus. But um, yeah, it definitely has, you know, it makes a front flip. Like Jack Jacko's like, come on, guys. Like I'm doing a front flip, a legit front flip. That's way harder. Um, w- without a doubt. And it makes that look to, to people that don't understand what the cheetah ramp is. But people think the cheetah ramp just makes you do a front flip. I mean, I can go off a double front flip ramp and launch it and not front flip at all. Or I can go off and do a double front flip, like to an airbag. I've never tried that, like Duffy, to a landing. But, um, you know, it, it's still very, very technical. It's very dangerous. Um, but it allows more progression. So for me, if you can do more stuff in the air, it makes things more exciting. And Jacko told us i don't want to go 75 feet i need 85 feet to do the front flip <laughs> the first one that he ever tried uh we were i think crusty tour in australia somewhere he tried to go 85 feet finally landed but man did he take some <laughs> some beatings trying that thing but yeah he didn't have the cheetah ramp he just hucked it yeah, yeah, that was gnarly. And we just had him and uh, Adelberg side by, almost high fiving, uh, just on our last little tour that we did. That's amazing. Now I want to ask: what is, our, our host told me before we got on the call here that he does stand-up comedy, including moto jokes. So I know I'm putting him on the spot here, but you've got a moto audience. I'd like to do a couple of jokes. Uh, I think that uh, these guys will relate driving. Everybody should have it, it should be classifications just like in motocross, right? If you're uh, a novice, you only are allowed to drive on the side streets. And then you got to have if you're pulling on to uh, the interstate, it's the same as the moto track. The guy's checking your uh, practice ticket. So he's going to kick you off of the track. Obviously, there's no setup to that, so it sucked. But <laughs> uh, I think I can't do good whips because my uh, equilibrium is too good. No, that one's not good either. Hey, tell a joke, funny man. Let's hear it. I know. I hate it when people fucking do that. It always goes just like that, dead. <laughs> I'll give. I'll give you one. With all this stuff with uh, Trump building the wall uh, and the Mexican That's a joke, uh, yeah, and the Mexicans, <laughs> what, what do you think uh, they did uh, about Trump building the wall? Who the Mexicans? I went as good as this joke. <laughs> they got over it. <laughs> right, boys? They're over I got it. it. <laughs> I want to just say entertainment properties that I did get to go to Nitro, and I have to say, Travis, he had a fabulous, fabulous time. I saw a grown man enjoy it like he was a kid, and you've nailed it. It's a great property, and we were very impressed, and it was a lot of fun. No, well, thank you so much. That's awesome. Let's see if we got any of these guys in the hey. chat here. If you guys want to ask um, the two guys with their hands still up. Uh, Jan and Dylan, do you guys still want to ask your questions? Anybody right in there? Yes. All right, Dylan. 
All right, there you go. You can talk now. Or you're muted. Hey, Travis, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah, I got you, Dylan. Uh, I was just wondering, what's your uh, what's your favorite accomplishment um, in your action sports career? Uh, probably still being able to make a living uh, traveling the world in a circus on kids' toys with my uh, wife, two kids, and all my best friends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was really happy to see you at um, Nitro Circus in Providence. There, I don't know if you were reading some of my comments. But, um, you know, you had actually signed my back, and I, I got a tattoo. I got your signature tattoo <laughs> over it. <laughs> Die hard. Well, th thank you. I appreciate the support for sure. That's gnarly. Is that all your yeah. – um, Yeah, it was, it was a hell of a time, man. Um, and I, I, I saw you at Redbud, and, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm just pretty starstruck, to be quite honest. I mean, it's been an honor to watch you guys and – you know, grow up watching all you guys in the action sports world. And, you know, it, I, I just can't even, I just can't even believe what you guys do. Thanks for tuning in though. I appreciate it. Good to, hopefully I'll, I'll see you at a Nitro show or something along the way, I'm sure again. What's going on with Nitro these days, Travis, given our current situation? Well, it's, it's a bad time to be, uh, uh, to be running a traveling, uh, tour <laughs> but, um, no i mean at the end, it, it's tough it's tough for everybody right now but uh, at the end of the day um we're still working with uh doing basically nitro rallycross for me is the the biggest next push um trying to do the the car stuff and um i just bought some land in maryland and we're trying to get it uh get it all set up for a for a rally course and supermoto and go-karts and should be a lot of fun we got one more person with their hand up jan i'm gonna Unmute you. There, uh, there you go. The mute deal is always a pain in the ass. Unmute yourself if you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're allowed to talk if they chime in here. Anybody else? Dan, any of you guys uh, got any questions? Well, I want to thank you guys. This has been awesome. I know everybody... Uh, that joins us as big fans of this stuff and watched everything just like I think it's funny that you guys are in the movies and you quote lines from everything just like the rest of us we all know we've all watched this stuff forever and we all love it and we can all quote all these movies and I think for a lot of these guys to see that you guys are still really fans of the sport I know um, you know all you guys still whether you ride you know ride professionally or not you still ride all the time uh, and enjoy it. So I think that's why this is such a tight community. And, uh, and by the way, it, the movie's on Netflix. If anybody who's listening in wants to watch it, you can catch it on Netflix. All right, there you go. Catch it on Netflix. Also, um, we got, this is just a random side note. We got a full first draft of Baco. So Adam, I've been working with Adam on that. So he was like, oh, put that in uh, a couple of guys' ears. I know Travis. We got a, Travis's name through there a bunch. So, uh, yeah. Him it goes. <laughs> exactly. Hey, boys, uh, well, I'm going to sign out. Yeah. We got to ride dirt bikes. You guys, you guys are on lockdown. So uh, <laughs> we'll be in the desert. Dino. <laughs> yeah. Locked up. <laughs> Signing out, boys. Thanks for coming. Good to see you all.
Adios, everybody. All right, right everybody. Thank, thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming, Brian, Ronnie. All right, man. We'll see you guys. Seth, thanks, Travis, guys. John, Paul. Seth Rowe. <laughs> TP, <laughs> good to see you, man. See you guys. Good to see tonight, you guys, guys. Well. Thank you. I'll see you guys. Soon. Peace out. All right, we're Later. signing off.